Tonight, I have on uh, Rojan and Steph, both of which from the internet. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I am from Project Archivist, and Steph is also sometimes from Project Archivist. That is a podcast that I host, and Stephanie is my sometimes co-host, who does a fantastic job. And we're here with you right now. <laughs> Correct. And I'm Alex from John and Alex Hate Stuff. I haven't done an Alex cast in, like, well over a month and uh, this is weird to, to do this again, <laughs> even though it's 10 years of doing it. It feels weird coming back and being like, oh, yeah, I have to, like, do the opening and pretend I'm a real show. This is fucking odd. <laughs> I took a break from my show for about a month and a half, almost two months, so I can relate to that. And even now, I'm not doing shows on the reg. I still do them, like, every couple of weeks or sometimes I'll do one every week. It really depends on what guests are available and stuff. And it was a real shift of gears to try to like get behind the microphone and get things rolling again. It's a weird how, like when you take any amount of time off after a while, it's just like, Oh, I, I got to start all over again. I gotta, I gotta like get myself in that mindset or whatever you want to call it. So yeah. I can relate. Well, this is, so, um, Steph, this is, sorry, I'm totally ostracizing you at the moment. Feel free to, feel free oh, to chime in, but this, well, I just, I, I realized, um, like a few weeks ago, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Rogan. So he's like the one person I can talk to about this is we've both been doing shows. I'm uh, somewhere between October and December is 10 years of the Alex cast. And I know you've thought about this before as well uh, with your show, which is very long run. Are you at a decade? Like you've been going forever. Right? I think I'm actually going on 12 years. 12 now, years. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, you've been you're you're a monster at one yeah. like. <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I, I mean it in a good way. Not not all those lawsuits. Uh, I hear that a lot. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm thinking about. So I want to do something else, like podcast was like the Alex Cast. I think I'm ending it at ten years, but I kind of mm. want to do something else. But also, I know you've had this thought too. How do we escape? Because <laughs> like, oh, I still want to be a podcaster, it. but we're shackled to these. I, you just do it. That's just yeah. the neat thing. Like when you're running your own show, there's no, there's no right or wrong way. You can do what you want. I'm actually, I got roped into doing another podcast. So I'm putting together called old nerds drinking. And, uh, it's a buddy of mine who he's been wanting to do this for a while. Then since COVID hit, he's been out of work. So he just went and bought everything. He bought the mixing board. He bought the microphones. We, you know, and we're essentially building this little ragtag studio in his basement. And that's going to be a show that we do. Like whenever we sit down and feel like doing one, that just kind of came about from me sitting in the, uh, from us sitting in the fire in my backyard. We have a fire every week or we try to, and usually I will imbibe in some kind of a marijuana edible. And we started talking about all this stuff and it was like, you know what? We, we really should record this stuff sometime. So he's like, all right, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, you hear that a lot from people. And he went out and bought everything and he secured the domain and everything. He's like, all right, well, we need to start doing this. And I'm like, well, first off, it's your show. I don't want to do another show. I'll come and sit in and do it and, you know, and talk about stuff. And, um, you know, you just do it, you know. But the thing is, is like I still love doing my podcast. I don't do it as much. I'm taking I'm taking more time with it now. 
Uh, whereas before I was like cranking out episodes every week and I just had to do it. Now I'm sitting back and taking it easier and I'm, I'm enjoying it more. You know, I'm, I'm getting different co-hosts on and, and I'm exploring more different topics and it's, it's more natural and more fluid. And it's something that I don't feel that I have to do. So maybe you want to try that. Maybe you want to like do your side thing. And then, you know, if you get an idea for Alex cast, you can still do the Alex cast because you know, that those creative juices still flow. You kind of, you know, it's just a matter of how you want to divert them or whatever. Like, I'm not going to stop doing Project Archivist, but the stuff that I talk about on the other show, all this geek-oriented stuff and all this other junk is not really fitting for the kind of show that I have on Archivist. But, you know, I, I end up going on all these other geek-oriented shows and I end up talking about all this other stuff. So it's it's a separate outlet where I can go and be silly and be stupid and talk about, you know, nerd stuff or alcohol or you know, whatever, like the new Dune movie or what have you, you know? Yeah. Well, that's so. why I like, the, that's why I like doing John and Alex hate stuff. That one I'm, I'm set with that gets my outlet, but settle yeah. to this Alex cast thing. I, I have ideas for it to do afterwards, but I just feel weird. Like calling then, in the Alex cast still like, or maybe, maybe that doesn't matter. I, it's just weird having like a, uh, you know, this kind of history quote unquote to a thing when you're continuing well, let me it. Let ask you this. What is, John and Alex hate stuff. I've pretty much figured out what is the Alex cast? What exactly, what is your, like project archivist is there to cover weird and wonderful and strange and just generally strange, different odd topics. And we're not really a paranormal show. We do cover paranormal, but that's not what drives me there. So I don't have, I mean, I have somewhat of a, a, a defined goal on what it is, but what is Alex cast? What, what was your goal to do this show? What was your initial idea just to talk about stuff? Or did you have like things in mind to talk about that would fit in with the show? No, it was just talk about stuff. Talk about weird shit mostly. That's it. You know, it's Are I never... you still into weird shit. Do you still see weird shit and go, wow, I'd like to talk about that on my show? Is that still something that you're interested in? To an extent, yeah. I think I'm just kind of the nebulous Alex Cast thing where it's like I'll talk about anything and everything. I feel like maybe I don't know if it's run its course or I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I've got till December. <laughs> then I'm gonna make it make a decision. Well, with me, there, there came a and my co-host left the show. And oh, is he officially happened, gone? Yeah, Lobo left. Lobo oh, okay. Left so that's that's that we, for lack of a better term, we just more or less drifted apart for whatever you want to call it. And there came a point where I was like, do I really want to continue? Because I was in the same boat you are. I was like, do I really want to continue doing this show? Do I want to do it on my own, or do I want to do? Uh, I lost somebody. Yeah, I lost, I couldn't, I stopped hearing Rogan. Okay, yeah, it looks like Rogan fell off. Oh dear. Though it still says he's here. Hmm. Rogan, can you send us a message? Tap three times if you can hear us. <laughs> Rap on the table. <laughs> oh no. Alright, well, we'll see if he reconnects. But, alright, Steph, what do you think? What, what do, um... What do, what do we do? Is it Alex Cast two? Is it um, a focus show? Is it just give up and talk to John every two weeks? <laughs> well, my take would be uh, first of all, it, it seems to me like this would more be driven by what it, what it is the direction you feel like going in because it might feel like you decide okay, I want to go in a direction that is you know coherent or not coherent. You know, it would be a, a logical continuation of the Alex Cast. Or you might decide you want to do something that's, you know, kind of radically different, in which case it would make sense to, you know, have the Alex cast too, or just, you know, even something different. So I would, to me, I would say it depends more on where you're deciding you want to go with it, as opposed to deciding what you're going to do and then go and then 
maybe you don't want to do that. So, I mean, to me, your personality is so strong that, and you've been going so long that to, to me, you could really get away with like a lot of stuff and have it still be the Alex cast. Cause it's, you know, it's not like the, I don't know. It's not like the, the movie comedy cast, right? It's just the Alex cast. So whatever you do, you know, it's, it's on brand cause you're the brand. <laughs> That is true, which is, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's times when you just, you know, decide you want to make a break. I have a little bit of experience in that. I was a, a, I was a middle-aged style blogger for years. I had a style blog called The Dashing Eccentric, which I started in like 2009. And I was really uh, pretty consistent about it for several years. And, you know, I, uh, did all my own photography, all my own modeling, all my own styling. I uh, sewed my own clothes. I would design some of the uh, patterns that I made, um, put together all my own outfits, all that type of stuff, wardrobing. And I did it, you know, really consistently, you know, at least a couple times a, a week for several years. Um, and now, you know, there, there's been a lot of upheaval that sounds exciting you know basically i you know at that time i was living just with me and anthony on our own place and it was real uh easy to to do the photography and everything out and just in our backyard basically but then you know i moved up and and i'm living with my mom and i have a you know a lot less time and then there's not you know like a backyard where i can go and it's this you know gorgeous background for photography so uh, it's been years and so when i get the camera if I the camera now, it feels weird or writing about those topics. So I have a little bit, you know, that whole thing of, of, uh, you know, you're doing something that's it's very regularly, you're producing a lot of content, but then you have that kind of disconnect. So, um, and then when I started talking a lot or wanting to write a lot about the more weird, my own personal, like psychic experience and synchronicity experiments and stuff, it felt, uh, I really wanted to start, a whole new fresh blog, which I did because that felt very different, but that came because I was addressing and producing very different materials. So. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm trying to, that doesn't sound bad of like, you know, just kind of going back to it and feeling awkward. Ooh, did I hear Rojan? Yes, I'm back. That was weird. My, my Skype just completely shut off on me for no reason whatsoever. That was really strange. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And we, we kind of like, we heard like almost breaking up from you and then just complete nothing. I was like, oh, this is, that was sudden. I okay. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where I left off. That was weird. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Steph and I were kind of discussing the creative thrust of what the hell I do with the next version of the show. I So I have this idea of kind of doing a, a single topic show, like basically any given episode, like do like one full episode on a topic, which I've never been able to do because I'm I'm a fucking mess and my brain jumps everywhere. I thought, oh, that would be fun and challenging and let's see what I could do. But then it's like, well, do I just call it Alex Cast? Do I start a whole new thing? And also if I, you start a new thing, do, do I bother publicizing it? Because it's just like, I don't know. It's just some dumb shit I was doing. Like my show know, ever being popular was accidental was at best. And I was saying before I, before my Skype stopped working, you, it's your show. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, and it is you, it is Alex. So why change the name of it? Yeah. But I do recommend, um, like me, I have to have a co-host. I have to have a springboard of some kind. Fortunately, stuff here is wonderful at finding Aww. guests and topics and things like that. Um, 
But I, for me to do a show solo, um, I could probably do an interview solo if I had to, and I've done it before, but I like having another person there to bring another element into the show. And, you know, I'd recommend that if possible, find somebody and say, Hey, I'm interviewing this guest. We're going to talk about this topic and then bring somebody else in there. Um, yeah, I like having a co-host. It just, it's hard to find one. Not necessarily. Um, it's hard for me to find one. I'm universally hated. You're loved. (laughs) Uh, well, uh, that's debatable. <laughs> um, All right, you're tolerated. <laughs> I mean, you could bug me. You're I'll universally come on tolerated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Steph will come on and, 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 and co-host with you. She's always looking for an outlet. Um, I, I've got no problem coming on and co-hosting with people. Any show that I don't have to produce, I'll go on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I'd keep it. You know, if you're asking my advice, I'd say keep it. I, I You know, if you don't want to record all the time, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to record all the time. You know, yeah. Other than monetary value, there's no penalty for not putting a show out there. And if you're like me, just because you're not recording a topic on these things all the time, it's, you know, you'll, you'll come up with ideas and say, Hey, I want to cover this topic and it might not work on your other show. So you can do it on your show. And I don't see a reason why not to. Yeah. So here's the so. other, here's the other part that I've been struggling with, with your back. How much of your catalog is, is online right now? Like that, that just regular people um, can get to. Up until we had to switch servers about three or four years ago, the guy that was hosting us up and decided to stop hosting podcasts without telling us. And we were doing it through WordPress and it was a big ordeal. And I went to load the show up one day and it was gone. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I'm not doing podcasts. I'm not hosting anymore. I'm like, thanks. Oh, I remember when this happened. Yeah. We had to update your, your iTunes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saved, I deleted, I saved all of those episodes just before everything went down. And then I started from scratch when I went to the new server. So about half of my catalog isn't up on the net. I've still got it. Um, but there is like, I think the first hundred episodes are up on YouTube. I just haven't updated the YouTube feed in years because mm-hmm. quite frankly, by the time I get done producing a show, I'm done. I want to move on to the next thing or, you know, go, go take a drink and sit and chill out for a little bit. Cause I, I, I put a lot of work into producing a show. Yeah, that's um, what I gave up on my YouTube thing too. I, I don't put nearly the work in as you did, but back when I was actually cared about the show, I uploaded it to YouTube. But after a while, it's just yeah, it's it's too much work. I want to be done it's with just it. A yeah. Step. yeah, exactly. You get done with the episode, you're done. You want to move on to the next thing. Plus, with the way that I, I mean, right now I'm looking next to me. I've got five books next to me that I got to read to have the guests. And literally, just minutes before I went on the air, Jason Offit sent me his new book, so I've got that one to add to the stack Ooh. now. Um, so, I mean, what, what I would tell you, if you want to keep doing the Alex cast, um, take it slower. Just when you get a topic in your head and say, hey, I want to cover this topic, you know, sit down and say, all right, I'm going to cover this topic. If it's a book, you know, if you can book an interview and then once you get that figured out, then say, well, who might come on here and interview this person with me or talk about this with me and then put some feelers out and see what you get. And then it's just a matter of getting times and dates and sitting down and doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't think you should let it go, though, because the odd and weird stuff is still, that's still a part of you. You know, that stuff's not going to go away, whether you want to talk about magic or whatever it is that you talk about. But, um, you know, do like I do, just get a, just get a, a different co-host, And cause the, what it does is it adds another dynamic to the show. It's not like people have heard me talk forever and like I mean, with me and Lobo, you know, they pretty much people, everybody knew what we were going to say. So by adding a, a random rotating co-host to the show, it also adds more of a dynamic to it where it's not only the guest is saying something different, there's a different person asking questions every week. So it, it adds to the variety and the, and the flow of the show. My show is all about chaos. My show is always, um, 
like we'll talk about one topic one week and the next week we'll talk about something completely different and then we'll go into a completely other direction and having the extra co-host on a rotating co-host adds to that element to where you don't really know what you're going to get every week and you know it keeps it from being formulaic which is it, it works against you and it works with you and for you and it also works against you it works for you because people like coming to hear you know, what's going to be next. You're not really sure what the next topic is going to be. By the same token, you lose people because some people are like, well, I want to hear a paranormal show and I want to hear about Roswell again. Or, you know, I call it paranormal's greatest hits where people just, they get locked into wanting to hear about the same topics over and over again. And when I don't do that, you lose listeners. Um, Or what'll happen is people will tune in and listen to the shows that pertain to what they're interested in, which doesn't bother me either because I'm not about getting you know, listenerships. I'm not about, I need to have as many listeners as I possibly can. I'm happy with the people that I got. Um, if we pick up new people, that's cool. But what's important for me is putting new and different stuff out there and, and learning about what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm doing the show to learn new things and to do new things. And I kind of think that's where you're coming from as well. You know, I would, I think, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, that is. And it's kind of the stumbling block I'm running into of, of, uh, how to do new things with, with kind of, I think, I think my main argument, I know I'm going to do something else moving forward, but I think my main thing is of what to do with the back catalog. Cause I just, I feel like it's a weight almost of like, if somebody new comes in, you've got this slog, but then if not really, it's just, it's evolution. It's part of, you know, like just because Lobo left the show, I'm not going to get rid of those episodes because like our show is my show is always it's always developing it's always moving it's always changing it's always going into a new direction and i like that it's like going back and listening to bands like you know you can like your favorite like the cure you can go back and listen to the cure's older albums and listen to their later albums and you can hear how they've evolved um or rush or whatever band you want to name you know it's part of it's part of that that history and that's part of you know it's part of where you come from and where you're going so i wouldn't say get rid of it plus on top of that what does it hurt you know, what's it going to, what does it hurt keeping it there? It's not costing you any extra money to keep the back catalog around, is it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, No, it's not. Yeah. So you just had that guy that was uh, commented on the Alex cast page about how he just discovered the show recently. And he was just like up to like 150 yeah. episode or something like that, which is just awesome that you can, you know, have people that just kind of fall into the Alex cast universe. And then, you know, even better for them, uh, you know, they, when they get up to everything, you know, they still get some new shows coming up and, and uh, interesting things. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- a lot of, not a lot, but I keep thinking of, there's a lot of episodes that I just phoned it in because I felt like I needed to put a show out. And those are the ones just like, oh, those are just sitting there. <laughs> just those, those wet slop turds just sitting there on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, those are the, that's another thing I'll do is like even the old episodes. So this is another thing you can do like I did that I did is my old episodes that aren't up anymore. If I'm not, sometimes I'll do a best of episode and I'll go back and pull some of those old episodes out and I'll repost them. Because yeah, we have, about you know, we gain new listeners as you probably do. You gain new listeners all the time. And you get a lot of people that haven't heard your old stuff. So you might have a couple of old shows that are like, you know, that's a pretty good show. I'll just toss that up in there in the meantime or something like that. But um, going yeah, back I to us. I think that would be a great idea because, you know, like, Rosen, like you were saying, Alex, you have some, like, really fun, really interesting shows that you've done. Because just because you've been doing it so long, too, you know, there's a lot of really great shows there. And you could, you know, like Roger said, you know, do a best of you know, once a month or something. And um, I think that'd be really cool too. It'd be a way to kind of also kind of bridge, you know, keep a little bit of a continuity going if you want mm-hmm. going forward. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's maybe what I'll do. Cause a lot of the old episodes, it's so the first hundred episodes haven't been on the feed for a while, but 
I was thinking like language use. Um, the one that keeps springing into my mind is when I first started the show, and I don't mean that if this is getting way too fucking navel gaze about me, I'm trying to like make, have a real conversation, but whatever, <laughs> just shut me up. We can talk about something else. But like, I think when I started the show, no, this is I, therapeutic for you. We're here for you right now. Well, no, but I mean, we love you, Alex. It just says <laughs> as, as podcasts are aging, I know there's a lot of people like myself, like the language I used when I started the show, I'm reasonably sure I said retarded as just like a pejorative word back when I started the show, which I find unacceptable now. I find that abhorrent. It's a, it's not a word you should use, which there's episodes out there. And I, and not, you know, I don't know how many people, I don't know that people think about that going, oh, well, this is, this is a show from 2010. You know, language has evolved so much. Like, I don't think I said gay as a pejorative back then, but I may have. Uh, you know, that's certainly language that where I grew up was, you know, that was the the norm. If, you know, I think about like not necessarily just language stuff, but shit like that, where it's like, ooh, well, this is kind of out there as like this weird evidence of it's either evidence of gro- growth or evidence yeah. of I grew up in New Jersey. You know, one of the two. <laughs> One's far more embarrassing than the other. <laughs> yeah, it's both. And if yeah. somebody comes at you and says, hey, you said retarded or you called somebody gay. I got news for you. I've got gay friends and I still say I still say that all the time, Yeah, but there's no venom behind it because I don't mean it. I don't mean it in a bad way. You know, I've got friends that are really, really gay and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll say that word all the time around them, but they know that I'm not homophobic and don't, you know, don't dislike gay people. I, I have a lot of gay friends. Boy, does that sound racist? <laughs> yeah. Well, but, that's, yeah, well, yeah, there, there's the problem. We're just, we're just waving the, we're waving the awkward yeah. flag right now. <laughs> so, but if anybody tries to attack me and say that's homophobic and blah, 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 it's like, listen, man, you know, I, I've got, I've got you know, my daughter's friends that are gay that, that, um, I've known forever. And when they came out of the closet, like we're gay, I'm like, sweet. I want to be the first person you invite to the wedding. And I was, and you know, it's just not, you know, and it was a very proud moment for me when my, when my, one of my daughters, you know, I took, I put them both under my wife and say, Hey, if your parents have a hard time with you being gay and you need a dad, I'm your dad, come to me. Cause I don't care, you know? And when they got married, it was like, um, you know, they came up and gave me a hug and I was like, thank you for, you know, thank you for doing this and thank you for keeping your promise. But I've got a lot of gay friends and I don't, you know, when I say that's gay or something like that, it's, it's a joke there's no venom behind what I say. Now there are words that I won't use because some of them are just unforgivable. Anyways, we're going off topic, but yeah, that's just a sign of growth. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, it, yeah. It's just this awkward. I think, I think that might be, all right, we've decided we're going to move to a new topic, but all right, we've decided, ladies and gentlemen, it is official. I'm going to, I think I'm just going to restart from episode one, but start pulling from the back archive, put them up as best ofs. And I'll, yeah. I'll put a vague effort at listening to him to make sure I don't say anything horrific. <laughs> no, don't even worry about it. If you want to put a disclaimer at the beginning, like sometimes I'll do that when I'll repost an episode. I'll be like, yeah, we did this back in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, with a little bit of like, not a disclaimer, but a little preface before the show when I put it up as a best of, or I'll say, yeah, we did this and this was what was going on at the time or something like that. And it kind of covers your butt. But again, it's your show, you know, do what you want. But I, I do strongly recommend if you can getting some kind of a co-host or, or another dynamic there to help push it through. Like Stephanie, I, I love when Stephanie contacts me and says, hey, would you want to talk to this person about such and such? I'm like, yes, that's great because I don't have to put any work into putting the show together. Um, the pro, the, it's already the, the content is baked in. Um, Stephanie's really good at like she, when we first, when she first started, she was, her legs were a little wobbly. Now I can just sit back and drink a beer and stuff can go off and running and I can jump in every once in a while. Cause she's, she's got her shit together now. So, you oh, know, don't, you. don't be afraid. Well, it makes it nice you. for me because you take care of all the, all the production, everything, which is yeah, a, a massive that. amount of work. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's great. I mean, I could just sit back. I mean, the last couple episodes I've done with you, I, I think I've talked a little bit more, but it's just part of the gelling process and everything. But, you know, plus 
stuff's got a lot to say. I, I was bugging her for years. I'm like, you need to do a podcast. You need to do this. She's like, nah, nah. So I'm like, well, come here and do it. And then I can be, you know, I can be a lazy fat ass and just sit here. You know? <laughs> yeah. See that part. I like, I like being lazy. This is very much talking to me. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a co-host, you know, and you know, enough people, you know, just make sure you pick somebody that, you know, a can carry a conversation, has intelligent things to say. You don't want to have a co-host that's just going to sit there and not say anything where you're constantly nudging them to be like, Hey, say something, whatever, you know, just, you know, just make sure who you're, who you're getting on there and be a little bit smarter about it and, and do shows as you want to do them about topics that you're interested in. Don't just put a piece of crap out there just to put a show out there. Yeah. For well, years I did that. And finally this, when, when Lobo left, it, 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 it reformatted my brain to how I wanted to do the show. And it gave me like, this is your moment right here. You're having the same epiphany where it was like, well, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want now, what am I going to do? And I just started the process all over again. So, yeah. And it doesn't seem weird because the show is always evolving and always moving on and always going in different directions. And there's nothing wrong with you doing that either. Yeah. That's what's nice about John Knox hate stuff is because every, every episode is we watch a different movie. So it's like, it's, it's always, it's eternal fresh. It's just, yeah. Hey, we, this is the thing we're doing now. All right. Shut up, Alex. Thank you, Rogan. Thank you, thank you, Steph. We've 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 sucked my podcast dick for long enough. Let's talk about some other stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, all, all right. So let me look at what we have planned for the show. Oh yeah, I don't do show prep. I'm the Alex guest. Um, I have no notes whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, have either of you seen the new Dune trailer by chance? Are either of you Dune fans? I am a huge Dune fan. Um, I I have read all the books multiple times. I mean, all the real yes, books, not, not the shitty ones by his kid. I have read them all. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I have read all of them. <laughs> I, I slogged through a couple of the ones that his kid wrote. They're not terrible. I just, they're not, they're not what they're I like. Story. I mean, they're, they're like filling in gaps in history and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I thought it was, it looked good. The kid that plays Paul has me worried. And that terrible Pink Floyd cover is really inappropriate to that, that trailer. But besides Here's that, I think it looked thing. cool. <laughs> the original Dune that was supposed to be made, Pink Floyd was supposed to do the soundtrack for it. Did oh, you know the, that? Original, uh, the Jodorowsky one? The really bizarre one that never got made, even yeah. though the David Lynch one is definitely not bizarre in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, but. that's, that's uh, Jodorowsky, <laughs> which I'm pronouncing very wrong. But yeah, that guy. Yeah, they made that documentary about it a few years back. Yeah. So it's I found it kind of funny and, and strangely cool that they were using Pink Floyd in the commercial because that was what the original pink the, the original dune was supposed to have is pink floyd doing the soundtrack for it <laughs> so yeah are you a, a dune fan stuff uh no i never read it i never saw any of the movies um so wow wow <laughs> i know I, but there's a funny thing that you that should you about. should at least read the you should at least read the dune the, the main book it is a good book way ahead of yeah. its time i remember a lot of people reading it i think in high school um and stuff but uh i never got around to it i don't know why not and it's kind of weird because like i love john and alex hate stuff which is just, you know the big movie review thing i i only i don't i think i only i saw dark souls before you guys did that show because um alex you said i should watch it so i found it online with uh dubbed in spanish so that was fun. oh oh, oh a, and, a dark song yeah, a dark song. Yeah, yeah. That's right, dark song. And then um, I'd seen Birdman in the theater. But other than that, I don't think I had seen any of the movies that you've done. I just don't see a lot of movies. And then, uh, especially the last few years, I just don't have much time to read because I've been uh, 
I live with my mom. She she had some really bad health problems for a while. She's doing better now. But I mean, she broke her back. She had to have pelvic reconstructive surgery, but she likes to call it her pelvic reassignment surgery. Oh, well, hey, we're, we're, <laughs> okay. we're as we as we discussed, we're very progressive on both of our shows. So we're good. <laughs> Yeah, I should just, you know, have a free kids. <laughs> reassignment students. surgery. Yeah, t- tell your father we said congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, I, you know, it's kind of like a, a he- you know, it's like a hectic type of lifestyle. And I've been trying to do uh, more of my own, you know, a podcast like with you, Rojan, and writing on my blog. And um, for me, it, I wanted, uh, well, except for this show, I thought it'd be just kind of goofing around with fun, which is fine. But mostly, you know, I, I like to do a lot of show prep and make in, you know, my writing to try and make it so I'm producing something that'll be worthwhile for people to spend their time on, which for me takes a lot of time. So I end up, um, I was just complaining to someone the other day. It's like I'm finding out, you know, about a lot more exciting books and writers and things, but um, I don't have the time that I used to have, you know, let's say five years ago to be reading all that stuff. So it's kind of frustrating, but, you know. Yeah, being involved with a podcast will do that to you. you like, yeah. like, that's one of the things I like about podcasting is it forces me to sit down and learn new topics, and it forces me to make the time to go and 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 do this stuff. Because um, as I get older, I'm finding that I it's weird. Like, I figured when I was younger, um, I had kids and a job and all this stuff. Now that the kids are out of the house and I don't work as much. Um, I was like, I'm gonna have all this time now, and I still don't. <laughs> Nature yeah. hoards a vacuum. So, but it still forces me to go out and dig and like, I'll fall down these rabbit holes, which Alex, you may do this at some time too. I'll get bored one night and I'll just go out, well, let's go on Amazon and see what books about there are out there about, um, said topic. So I'll go on Amazon. I'll be like, okay, let's see here and boom. And I'll see what comes up on the screen and I'll go, well, that book looks interesting. And then I'll track down the author and then I'll see, Hey, would you be interested in coming on the show? And if they are, then I'll actually buy the book because before I would buy many books and the authors would never come on the show or they'd say they would and I'd never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. But it forces me to a increase my library. I'm one of these people that's like, I need more books. I need to have a giant library, you know? And at the same time I learn something new. And then when I record the show and put it out there, I am learning and asking questions and doing these things at the same time. The listeners are ingesting this knowledge. Um, so it forces it puts you in a position of you're learning things and you're you're doing you're discovering new stuff and that's kind of what's going on with you Steph. I mean that's when you come on the show when you do interviews and stuff with us we we learn stuff and we converse oh, yeah. and the process carries on and it's rewarding in many ways. So you know that that might be part of what your problem is is that like you're getting bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's certainly part of it. Also, I gave up on not gave up on getting guests, but like. I, you know, that slog of getting new guests that have a book out or like that whole booking it, you know, it, it's it being a one man show. It is, oh boy, that got tiring real quick. So I had like, a, I don't know, four years of the show, three years of the show that had a lot of guests and different weird people showing up. And just after a while, it's like, this is too fucking hard for, for what I'm getting out of this, which is, often. you know, slightly more than $0 a month. <laughs> yeah. That's the same boat that I'm in. I was, I was just crying. I was like, okay, I got to read this book. I got to crank this guest out. I do this. I do that. And then eventually I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So now I find a book and if they'll come on the show and if it's an interesting topic, I'll read it again. This is why I like stuff. When she says, we're going to do this, this, and this, here are the notes. Here is the guest. Here's what you should read. Here's what we're going to talk about. And I go, Oh, this is amazing. Okay. This is awesome. And I don't have to do shit. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. <laughs> I've had. Moves well, 
Hey, well, ahead, and it's Seth. so fun too, especially if you if you're able to do it um, less often and put in the effort and do exactly. you know do yes. something that's really ex- interesting to you. Like you know, all the guests that we've had uh, between the two of us um, on Project Archivist have been stuff that you know I'm v- I'm very interested in, and it's like a very kind of a niche thing or something. I think I'm kind of getting on on that. I'm interested in is like the shadow side of the paranormal. Like when we had Alan Greenfield on talking about his personal experiences with sex magic, um, and he hadn't told anyone any of that stuff really yeah, before. Yeah, that was publicly. awesome. Yeah, and it was very interesting because it's a I think. Uh, especially the group stuff, manipulation stuff he was talking about, something that's important to me because I'm really against it and I want people to know about it so they can guard against it and uh, be around other people in a uh, magical or esoteric context without, you know, getting a bunch of uh, problems or running into things that they don't want to have to deal with. Um, But of course, a lot of people, they really don't want to talk about that type of thing. So, um, but I really appreciated him coming on and being so open about it because to me, it's nice to get into these areas that, um, you know, a lot of people, I don't want to say, I I find when you're having private discussions with people, these type of uh, situations and experiences aren't that uncommon, but it's so charged and people get so judgy about it. And we have so many weird ideas about sex and death and everything in this society that, um, you know, no one wants to talk about it publicly. So it's nice to have the opportunity to be able to get into it. But it's something where I think, um, you know, you really can't be just cranking it out. And Rojan, it's really nice to have you there to take care of all the uh, practicalities and, and the production. And if I start fumbling as a, as a hostess or something. But, I can uh, catch you. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can catch yeah. you. Yeah. So, like, Alex, what are, you, what are you into right now? What are things outside of your other podcast that you're currently interested in? I am in such a boring phase. I don't even want to answer that, but I will because I believe in embarrassing myself in public. Uh, I've lately been, uh, my entire life is watching disc golf videos and getting back into that, which is something I used to be into when I was a a young man. Um, Mm -hmm. and boy, not much else. Uh, lots of just shitty TV. I'm really kind of doing the, um, socially distant thing and ran out of useful stuff to do with my brain. So I'm really on this kind of autopilot solo Keep so you need something thing. to re quote stimulate you at this point than from what it sounds like. Yeah. I need, I need a spiritual prostate exam. Yeah. yeah. Then. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, I like that term. I'm yeah. not sure why I do, but I like that term. Oh, you don't um, <laughs> That was a direction I did not expect to go into. Um, so yeah, why don't you just do like I do hop on Amazon or just, you know, sit in front of the computer and force yourself to go down some rabbit holes. Cause yeah. I, I love doing that. That's, like I'll jump on and I'll just start going, I'll go to one website, which leads to another, which leads to another. And then eventually I'll start out looking like, um, the Robert Anton Wilson, it's like a Robert Anton Wilson has a meditative thing that he talks about where he says, you'll sit down and you'll say, why am I doing this meditation? Well, I'm doing this meditation because I'm trying to relax. Well, why am I trying to relax? But well, I've had a bad week at work this week. Well, why did you have a bad week at work this week? Well, my boss was flipping out because he's a narcissist. Well, why is he a narcissist? Next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the internet, like, you know, okay, now I'm now I'm looking at uh, discovering why are narcissists narcissists? What are the psychological effects of narcissism? How you know? And then you just follow one road to another to another until you end up in some incredible. You know, by the time you're done, you're reading about how sheep were raised in Germany by some monk or something like that. You know? Oh yeah. And 
that's the kind of rabbit holes that I like to go down to. And then wherever I end up as on the way, I'll say, you know what, this, this might make an interesting show topic. And then I'll start researching whatever that is and see where it takes me. And if it's, if it leads somewhere cool, like recently we did a show about x-ray audio, which was this guy that, um, over in Russia, way, way back in the day, people, Russia very strictly controlled. Oh, I know about this. Sorry. I totally didn't mean, I got excited and said that out loud. Please continue your sentence, Virgin. Like I'm a real host. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it was just it was this really neat topic that this thing that I discovered where these people were printing records on X-ray films in Russia and they were making bootlegs out of them. And this is a really obscure, strange history thing that not a lot of people knew about. And it caught me and I'm like, this is really neat that the process of making a record out of an X-ray that people bought out of the back of some hospital because they had to get rid of them. And what kind of music were people listening to back then? Wow, it was jazz. And of course, the Beatles and all this kind of stuff. And the process of making these records and having to sell them bootleg. It was just this whole fascinating, again, it was a rabbit hole. And then I got a hold of this guy. And fortunately, we the first interview recorded didn't record. And then he came back on again and I had a co-host and we re-recorded the interview. And it was just all about like, which turned into this conversation about the influence of music and how, you know, and, and how these people would, you know, you'd have a guy in a trench coat that would have all these records, like that were homemade records wrapped around his sleeve and he'd pull it out and sell you a record for like six rubles or however much, you know, currency Russia was. And these people would take them back to their house and they would have these listening parties under like very quietly and secretively listening to jazz music and stuff. And you can only play these records a few times because they would degrade because they were printed on x-ray film and the x-ray film had to be disposed of by the hospital because after it sat for so long, it became very flammable. So they had to get rid of it. And it's how it all tied together and how these people brought these, um, these record making machines back home from the war and how people were smuggling in records to, to create these with. And I was like, this is really neat. This is something I've never heard of before. It's strange. It's unusual. It's different. It's not paranormal, but it's definitely weird history. And that's how I, you know, these, these are, I, I love doing this. I love going out and finding something to talk about and something that's different than it's off the beaten path that other people aren't talking about. Even you with your magic, you know, the way that you've done magic shows and stuff like that. I'm sure you're still interested in some of that stuff, but there's gotta be something out there that you could talk about that hasn't been talked about ad nauseum someplace else or in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this is a time where you can just sit down in front of your computer and have a couple of drinks and just clear your head. For me, it's like a meditative process when I do this stuff. It's, you know, I'll start at like nine o'clock at night. And next thing I know, it's like two 30 in the morning and I'm still like, you know, I'm, I'm learning about like this person making bagpipes out of sheep stomach, you know, or something, or something really crazy. And I'm like, how do I do a show about this topic? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you just, you, when you find stuff, whenever, whenever it hits you, that's interesting, you know, figure out a way to do a show about it and do the shows as you want to do them. Don't, don't, if you don't feel like doing a show, you don't need to, but in the meantime, you've got the network and the structure set up to do it. It's just a matter of you going out and finding something other than disc golf. Yeah. Well, since we, COVID's going on and you can't go down to the local bar, which was the station. Is that what it was called? Um, the standard. Well, but yeah, standard. Very, very nicely done though. That was, that was very close. <laughs> yes. The standard is the bar that you used to go to yeah. from what I remember. Cause I've always wanted to go out there and just pop in at that bar and be like, Hey Alex, what's up? I'm Rojan. You know, just walk up and sit down at a table. That would you. be crazy. Not I, even announce that I'm coming. Just show up and be like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted um, I, to do that. I recently, uh, just on the trying to find show notes. So I was, before I took the summer break, I was like, you know, let's try to figure out something I used to be into that I haven't looked at. Cause actually I had disc golf on the mind. Uh, there was like, oh, I was into this 15 years ago. I wonder what other shit I was into 15 years ago that have evolved and changed. And it's like a different thing. So I'm like, you know what I haven't looked into in forever is fucking UFO alien stuff. 
I haven't read about that since I was a fucking teenager. changed much, but... No, that is what... I spent two hours just going, oh, so nothing? Absolutely nothing other than the Blink-182 guy. Yeah. No, that's that's why I don't cover it that often. Like yeah. Kutch, Joshua Cutchin is about one, was one of the few people out there that's actually going into interesting and different directions with that kind of stuff. Oh but, yeah, the, the Jacques Vallée cover act. Yeah, 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 yeah stuff like that. It's yeah. but <laughs> most of that stuff. It's the same over and over and over again. And there's not much evolution going on in that. And again, that goes back to what I was saying about Paranormal's greatest hits. I'm not one of those people that can go back and hear about all, you know all like the Phoenix Lights and Roswell and all these things over and over and over again. There's people out there that like that stuff, but it's like I've I've you know not to be snotty, but I, I've 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 already read all this stuff. I've seen all this stuff. There's nothing new here. Give me something new to talk about or a different perspective, and then I'll cover it. But most people just don't have new perspectives. This is regurgitated stuff over and over again. I you know, just would have thought. I mean, I, I, it's been 20 years probably since I got, since I really studied UFO stuff, like something must, no, there's nothing has happened since the fucking X-Files premiere. Like nothing. I mean, you've got the thing going on where the government is supposed to be releasing all these new files, but. That's been happening since the 50s. Like that shit's been. Yeah, there's still there there. There's nothing there. I don't know. Stuff. Am I, am I, am I on the right path with this? You study UFO stuff. So, you know. Well, I've been taken. Well, I think with most people that study UFOs, you will have times when you're interested and times when you are taking a break as it were. Um. Because I think that where we are right now is we really need to have new perspectives on it, and we're not really getting a lot. Yeah. And uh, that's actually one of the reasons why I have been um, focusing more on synchronicity and trying to generate them, because with all spontaneous paranormal phenomenon, you tend to have synchronicities kind of uh, around them. So my idea is that, you know, looking at that, synchronicities themselves may give us some type of insight into some of what's going on because what we notice is that there's this um, kind of interplay between things that are existing in, let's say, the pop culture imagination and what's showing up in these UFO reports in various cultures and times. So what's that interplay, right? Um, Between you know, weird, weird things coming out. Well, like Betty and, and Barney Hill, where she had that uh, needle going into her stomach. And this is something that they do uh, in uh, uh, harvesting um, uh, in in vitro fertilization when you're harvesting the ovum from a woman who's ovulating, right? They do, they do it via these, you know, kind of needles into this, into the stomach. So it's like this weird, I, kind of interplay between these things that are kind of starting to happen or maybe have been happening in our culture that then kind of show up in um, these UFO and alien encounters. And so how does that work? How do these ideas and images um, flow from one realm to the other? But um, yeah, I really think that on the whole, you know, we just need some new ideas and new thinking about it. And you know that I think cataloging and stuff can only get you so far, but it's difficult because you need to have insight to you know get a new concept going that you can then explore, and that's difficult to just kind of pull out of your hat. So, but I haven't been following any of that much recently, um, partly because I think there's getting to be a little bit of a fad about well, it's not just a fad, but people looking at. Um, all these strange encounters and putting them all into the fairy category, which 
you know, there's some decent arguments for doing that, but um, I have a little bit of an anthropological background in college. And one of the things that gets me is that fairy, the whole idea of fairy and, and all their capacities, all that lore comes from a very specific time and place on our planet. Um, and there's a ton of other cultures, some indigenous, some uh, more uh advanced civilizationally, you know, they use agriculture and stuff like that. Um, and they all have these uh, ideas of, uh, you know, these numinous beings um, associated with the sky, associated with light, uh, with these various characteristics to, for example, uh, alter time and things like that. But um, they all have their own names for them. And then lots of times in a certain ge uh, geographical place or culture, they'll have a very particular um, characteristics to these beings as far as um, what's taboo for them or how they tend to approach you, things like that. So to me, what's frustrating about people um, calling everything fairy is that it, it kind of removes a lot of what could be pertinent information. For example, if someone's having a particular... Oh, this happened. Oh, I wish I had the uh, the reference. See, the thing is, me. though, is mm -hmm. you're dealing with these. These are people that need a they, they 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 need a cultural baseline. They need something to ascribe to the phenomena that they don't understand. Which you know, these experiences yes. later became angels. These experiences, they, they there's no um, as David Metcalf likes to say, there's no there's no name for this kind of thing. Well, so exactly, but the the point I was trying to make is from the the researching perspective. I mean, whatever an experiencer wants to say or wants to call their experience is is fine by me because that that is what happened to them and they were there and they know what they're talking about, right? And they mm -hmm. have, largely have very good reasons for saying what they're trying to say. But when researchers are trying, are just saying, oh, it's all fairy, that turns me off. That I wanted to say, it was probably a year or two ago, uh, I saw on the Radio Mysterioso uh, Facebook page, um, someone posted about there were these hunters in New Mexico who, I, I can't remember if they saw a craft or not, but they saw these huge, uh, strange-looking beings and what's interesting is they were way in the back country, so it was obvious that there were there weren't roads there and everything. And they were experienced backcountry people. You know, they had a uh, the uh, maps with the lines, contour maps, the compass, and everything. So they were able to indicate on their map where they saw these beings, how high they were in terms of um, other features in the landscape, all that type of stuff. They I think they had either binoculars or scopes that they were able to look at these beings with. But the fascinating thing was there in New Mexico. And they look, these um, beings that they saw look like kachinas. And to me, that was fascinating because these guys were not indigenous. I believe that they were Caucasian. Don't quote me on that. So it's fascinating to me to see this uh, report come in where you're seeing these beings that have also been described by the native people. They didn't make that connection, but they one of the guys made a very nice drawing. And with his uh, verbal description, you could see a lot of similarities. So to me, when, because I agree with uh, Metcalf that there, you know, there's not one universal name for these things. It's like an experience that all these different names are pointing to. And personally, I wonder about, is there like a geographical connection to this? I think there's a cultural connection too, because you'll see people that will describe, uh, for example, the classic leprechaun, like in Hawaii or something. Mm -hmm. But there's been that cultural contact of people from that uh, tradition that sees leprechauns there in, in these places. And so it's fascinating to me to see that kind of cultural um, 
lore showing up somehow in these people's uh, odd experiences. So, well, there's that, that concept of you have to know the name of the thing or the the concept of the thing in order to see it. Like the um, what's that tribe? The Himba. You know, you ever seen that with the the, the Himba people that that can't see blue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which is I mean is real. Like you can watch video of them looking at blue swaths and they're like, which is the darker blue, and they can't see it, but then. Which is the darker green? Which to us it all looks green, and they're like, "Oh, that one in the middle," and you know, their eyes literally you know, can like, see what we can't see based on their cultural, you know, indoctrination. It's like that picture. There's a picture out there. If you look at it one way, it's two dolphins. If you look at it in another way, it's two people having sex. And when they show that picture I to seen little that kids, particular picture. <laughs> I actually, I know that picture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe that says a lot more about Roe and I, but yes, I, I know that one. <laughs> kind of surprise stuff, but anyways. Yeah. So they show it to little kids, and since kids have no conception of what sex is or anything yet, but they know what dolphins are, they see dolphins. But if you show it to a person like, say, Steph, they're going to go, oh, yeah, that's definitely two people having sex. Um, trying to tie this into, I'm trying to tie this into your panties. But anyways. Yeah, um, I, I saw John Lilly jerking off a dolphin, so I guess I'm kind of, you know, childish at heart. <laughs> wow. Wow, you took that even further into another direction yeah. than I thought you but anyways, it's that kind of concept where if you're not, if you have no concept of what you're seeing, your brain's going to go to whatever it understands for the most part. Sometimes, it's gonna... sometimes people do, but sometimes they don't because we do have that phrase. I, there's not a word for this. I can't find, I don't, you know, I had this experience, but I can't describe it in words because I don't have the word, right? What's the so, uh, Japanese flavor? Unami, I believe is the term that they have. Yeah, umami, for, yeah. Yeah, umami or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah so, so I think that the a lot of it, it can happen that you are, and I think it definitely does happen, that people put a kind of a gloss on things to kind of fit it into a box. But then you have a lot of people, for example, to come back from near-death experiences, talking a lot about how there's these parts that are indescribable that they can't put into words. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that they experience something outside of the language and cultural indoct- indoctrination. Well, there's and also, and, and, and I, I, I'm going to sound glib here, but I don't mean this in a glib way. Mm-hmm. There's also a thing where people do really suck at words. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that as like, uh, just people really do suck at describing things. Like I've seen my friends try to describe stuff. I'm like, no, I could, I could have done that in four words. Like people are just fucking idiots sometimes, which I think a lot of times oh, when we talk about this, okay. we tend to gloss <laughs> over that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so God. yeah, it's, um. These experiences that people have, there's often not like there's I was listening to um, Radio Mysterioso once and Greg was talking about how somebody had reported an experience where they were watching TV and an alien had walked into their house and grabbed a, a Dr. Pepper out of the refrigerator or something like that. And it was not like they described it as an alien. But how do you like if you're having that experience, how do you? How do, how do you describe that? Like an alien walked into my house, went into my refrigerator and grabbed a Dr. Pepper. Are you sure it was an alien? Well, it wasn't human. So what is it? And on top of that, you know, what are the, how, how the idea of an alien walking into your house just to grab a bottle of soda out of your fridge, you know, and to walk out the door, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so strange. Did you see a UFO? Awesome. No, you know, <laughs> well, that's one of those... where I think if, you know, skilled, uh, investigation, can be helpful because then, you know, you have the story and then you can go back to into, okay, so how did it look, you know, physically, you know, did it look solid? 
How tall was it? Did you get an imp- what you know? What gave you the impression that it was an alien? And they might say, "Well, it looked like the lady on the front of communion," or they might say, "Oh, it, it telepathed to me that it was from the planet, you know, Scroton or something," you know. <laughs> but that's where I think it falls to the investigator to help um, uh, try and find out, you know, okay, what was what was the uh, kind of more uh, primal experience or the sensory experience that the person was having? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what so. I mean about the people sucking at describing stuff is yes. people can describe it. It's just, they don't know how. So you just need to sit down next to it. Cause if someone says, I saw an alien, you can sit down and say, well, what does it look like? Describe its head, describe its body. And then you're like, well, no, that's a chupacabra just to, you know, pull another paranormal <laughs> thing out of my ass. But like mm-hmm. what they think is an alien, they're saying that word and you're like, well, no, this still fits in the paranormal. You keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, yeah. There, there's a whole, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of that guy's name. Not It's Fezzik. No, that's the month. That's the giant. Well, good. Good point, uh, Alex. Somebody else talk. Right. <laughs> See, you're having a hard time describing things, aren't you? Yeah, it happens. No, I just <laughs> didn't remember the character's things, name. Alex. And his name is Vassini, by the way. It took me six seconds. Boom. I'm great at describing things. A chupacabra just walked in my house. Words, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> See, now Alex actually went to school to be able to describe things in words, too. So. This is, See, this is why you need to keep the show going for conversations just like this. <laughs> yeah. That uh, princess bride via Chupacabra. <laughs> yes. Cause you're not going to find that anyplace else. That's right. <sighs> yeah. You know, weirdly enough, a uh, periphery, my novel, that is actually me just try, uh, the entire book, 300 plus pages. I'm trying to describe a, a flavor of ice cream I had in Vermont once. It's, I just, <laughs> you know, some people just don't have the words to describe stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, oh, whoa, I I shouldn't have gotten excited because now there's no way I'm going to pretend I planned this because I didn't. Um, one of the things about Periphery is, you know, upstate New York and like a bunch of weirdos started there. Mm-hmm. A bunch of uh, strange prophets happened there. Like Mr. Joseph Smith. Rojan, I hear Hello. you were just in Utah and saw some yeah, strange ass sphinxy weirdness. Yes, there is this rock garden that my friend took me to. It's in the middle of the city. It's kind of hidden. You have to, it took us a second to find it. It's, um, oh God, I can't for the life of me remember what the name of the rock garden is. And if my friend's listening, she's going to smack me upside the head. But it was my last day there. And she's like, I want to go see this rock garden. Um, I'm like, all right, sure. Let's go. Let's, let's do whatever. Um, so we're going and we find this place. It's like a walkway behind between two houses. And you go back there and you walk into this rock garden and there sits this giant sphinx with Joseph Smith's face on it. And this whole rock garden was full of very strange things. There was like this, this, uh, statue of that had been taken apart, like arms, arms, head, legs. Um, it was under the side of the hill and there was some Psalm or something like that on the bottom of it. And then, uh, there was this other weird statue. It was like a body and it had this really strange head and it was dedicated to some queen or something like that. Um, there were these eagles that looked like third Reich eagles, but they didn't have the Nazi symbol. All it needed was a Nazi symbol and they would have been third Reich. Um, there was, uh, it was just this really strange, bizarre rock sculptures that really, they were, they were just weird. They didn't, I mean, they had religious symbolism and significance to it, but it was kind of for lack of a better term, because I can't describe things in less than four words. They were like broken, like the idea of seeing a sphinx with Joseph Smith's face on it was so strange. It's like you're borrowing heavily into Egyptian culture, but you're putting this prophet's face on the sphinx. And 
there was this other like the the statue with the weird head um it was uh it was all very weird it was just it didn't i mean it was cool but it was it was like it was just so out of place was Utah it the uh, very, gilgal gardens yeah that's what it is something like that yeah I'm, um, I'm, i just i just googled and found some reference to a uh joseph smith garden with weird shit in it yeah that's exactly what it is and it's in the middle like it's it's like in the middle of all these people's backyards and there's a condo right next to it it's like somebody took like their backyard and donated (laughs) the property to do this with and there was a couple of people sitting there and there was some woman also from northern michigan that was there and like we're all walking around and we've all got these puzzled looks on our face looking at the moment going what the fuck is all this shit you know and it was it was just strange and there was like some weird birdhouse or something there. And, uh, there was just sculptures of all these books. Um, but none of this stuff, I mean, you, you, we've all been to like religious Christian oriented, you know, sculptures and things like that. You, you can look, Oh yeah, that's Jesus Christ. That's this, that's that. These are all things that fit with the religion. Nothing in this rock garden fit in any way with any kind of Christian religion. It, it was just like, here's a whole bunch of body parts and it's Christian significance. And here's a Psalm that goes with it. And my friend was like, yeah, those are Mormon Psalms. And it was just strange. I mean, it was cool, but it was very strange. Utah is a very like Salt Lake city and Utah are very different than what I expected when I went there. I was going there thinking it was going to be the Mormon, Christian, the Mormon equivalent of Sharia law. You know, I was expecting it to be a very heavily religious city where things were very stern, like, like there were tattoo parlors and stuff, which I wasn't expecting. There was this really hip part of town that she took me to. That was very cool. Um, but like I, I, where I stayed at was like in the middle of, of this artist central area and there was all kinds of gay, pri- uh, gay pride flags everywhere. And it was very, like, I wasn't expecting that at all. I saw a lot of gay culture stuff everywhere, which again, I have no problem with. I just was not expecting that there because, Mormons are very, very anti-homosexual. So that was not what I was expecting at all. And my friend was like, yeah, I just want to show you this stuff because it it breaks all the stereotypes of what Mormons are and what they are, you know, what they are all about. Um, I went out to the salt flats, uh, got to drive my friend's car at ridiculously fast speeds over flat salt land. The salt flats are strange. Um, you get there and it looks like a big, massive, massive field covered in snow, but it's actually compressed salt. So we walked out. Uh, she's like, yeah, I'm taking you to the salt flats. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and I'm like, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm fine for anything. I'm, I'm here for any kind of adventure you want to take me on. So we go to the salt flats, um, which is right next to this city called, I believe it's called Wendover. And it's right on the border of Nevada. It's funny. You leave Utah. And as soon as you leave Utah, there's a city in Nevada, which is full of casinos, liquor places. Um, (laughs) May have been a brothel there. I can't remember if there was or not. I was a little bummed. I thought there'd be a marijuana dispensary, but there wasn't. But um, um, so then and right before that, you come to the salt flats. They're on the right hand side of the road. You pull up. There's this big concrete concrete like lean to thing that you can park under. And there's a big sign that Bonneville salt flats. And we walk out there and look around and I reach down and touch the ground. I'm, I'm all about like salt and salt magic and stuff. So I'm like, this is cool. Um, it had a very strange feel to it. So we walk back and I'm like, give me your keys. And she was like, why, what are we doing? Well, we're going to drive out there. Cause anybody can just drive out in these things. There's like RVs and stuff out there. You know, it's like burning man without the burning or the man. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, there's no other way to put it. Um, so I'm like, come on, let's go. So we grab the keys. Um, and we drive out there and I'm like, how far out here have you been? And she goes, I've only been out this far. There's not much of a need to go further because it's just big endless field of salt. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> It's, it's salt and stuff. flat. Yeah. Yeah. Salt and flat. Well, we've seen the salt flats. Let's go home. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> so 
you know, I've always heard about how land speed records are broke there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to get this chance again. I'm on the salt flats. I'm going to drive at ridiculously fast speeds in a car that's not mine. So let's go. <laughs> so I'm like, how far have you been out? Well, this is as far as I'm like, okay, okay, let's go. So I slam the gas down, take off and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and we're still driving and we're driving and we're driving. And we come up to this big salt berm where they go out and they apparently they rake the salt to keep it flat, which it's already flat, but it has these little lines in it and stuff when the water evaporates. Drive around, found a hole in the berm, drive through it, keep driving, driving and driving and driving and driving. We come across this big blue line in the middle of the, quote, road. There's no road. It's just a blue line in the middle of nowhere, this blue line that goes for miles in both directions. And I'm like, oh, shit. We're on the track. This is where they break the land speed records. People race their cars on here. And then I'm like, oh, shit, there might be cars coming at us at really high speeds. So I'm looking both directions, making sure that we're not going to get slammed into by some rocket car or some guy on a motorcycle doing 300 miles an hour. Nobody's there. I pull on the road. I pull on the quote unquote blue line road. Take off. Now I'm driving even faster. I'm like, ah, I'm driving on the salt flats. This is amazing. You know, and my friend's laughing at me. The blue line eventually ends. Um, we stopped the car and we're looking around and we're like, we're in the middle of nowhere. And I realize I don't know where we are because now I have no visual reference because in every direction I look, it's just salt for miles. It looks the same. Oh my God. And I'm like, well, don't panic. Play it cool. <laughs> don't look like an idiot that just got you lost somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, I'll just pull it up on GPS. Bad idea. There's no GPS. It's all just going to show you is in the middle of a big a dot in the middle of a big white field. I'm like, all right, well, let's get back in the car, turn around, drive back down the blue line, of course, at ridiculously fast speeds, um, get to a part where I'm like, oh, wait, that's the salt berm over there. I know where we are. Pull back around, pull out of there. We leave, get back to town because the freeways out there are 80, 90 miles an hour. Um, get back to town. I get out of my car. Now, up in Michigan, I don't know where it's like where you're at. Well, we use salt in the wintertime here to salt our roads. So her car looked like it had driven through Michigan streets in the wintertime. The bottom of her car was just caked in salt. Had to go through a car wash, drove through it twice, got the car salt off of it. That was that. Now, Utah, for lack of a better term, half of the state is mountains and the other half of the state is desert. So look to your left and think of it. Okay. Everything to the left is desert and salt and a couple of mountains or whatever you want to call them. Everything to the right is mountains that you drive through. We're going to go drive through the mountains tomorrow. Great. We go drive through the mountains, totally different state, beautiful, picturesque trees, winding roads, lots of cool motorcycles and stuff. Cause I'm a motorcycle guy. I was supposed to ride a motorcycle out there, but it didn't work. Streams flowing by really cool people on bikes flying past you at blisteringly fast speeds where if they wipe out, they're going to die instantaneously. You know, just really cool going up the mountain. And I'm like, I'm starting to get nauseous. I don't know why I'm getting nauseous. So I'm trying not to say anything. I don't want to be rude or whatever. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. Eventually I'm like, yeah, I'm getting nauseous. Not real, not fully admitting that I'm about ready to die. Like I really want to throw up because I'm getting nauseous. And my friend looks over and she goes, yeah, you're getting altitude sickness. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, you're getting altitude sickness. The higher we go up into the mountains, the more it's going to affect you. And I'm like, this sucks because it's beautiful and stuff, but the air is getting thinner and you know, all this stuff. So we go down and it's, it was this complete contrast to where I had just come from. Like, this is all trees and, and mountains and beauty and streams and, and, and people and things and, and, and animals and birds and, you know, and then the other, the other side of it was like nuclear post Holocaust hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so strange. That's uh, but, yeah. Oregon's very much like that where, so Portland is this lush, verdant, holy fuck it's like just God coming. It's just it, it, holy yeah. shit. 
You drive yeah, half an hour uh, east and you get into the high desert and it's literally just high desert. It is yeah, that's scrubby. Is. Yeah, it is so, I, that took me, you know, I grew up on the East Coast. Like I didn't know, like I didn't know this could happen. Flying by being chased by a, a semi truck with a tanker with people on stabs. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It, you know? <laughs> yeah. I had, I had no idea. Yeah. Utah is fucking crazy like that. That elevation thing's no joke. So what you missed out on there, unless, unless this happened later is uh, to have a beer at elevation. Woo. I, I had whiskey. And wow. we had bourbon. They took me to a bourbon distillery up yeah. in the mountains. And uh, we had a semi-tour of the distillery, and they gave us a flight of like four or five different kind of bourbons. And it was us, and there was another husband and wife there. And we knew our stuff about bourbon. The other people didn't. And the guy was like really enjoying talking to us. But the other people were like, so bourbon's alcohol, right? And we're like, okay, now how do you, how do, you do this? And how do you do that? The guy would really, you know, the guy would talk to us. And the other guy would ask a question. So why is bourbon brown? You know, we're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> But I slam these four, four or five bourbons down, not even really thinking about it, you know, doing the whole like tasting and I'm like swilling it around my mouth. I don't have, I don't have the, the palate. Like when I drink alcohol, it either tastes good or it doesn't. I'm not like, Hmm, I taste a hint of ball sweat, maybe some vanilla, a little bit of oaky and oaky undertones. You know, I, I'm not like that. I'm like, this tastes good. This doesn't taste good. And the guy's like, well, if you taste this, you're going to have vanilla characteristics and caramel. And I'm like, I don't taste any of that. It tastes, it tastes good, but it, you know, I don't, I'm not, I, I don't, which is weird because I make moonshine and I make all these wines, but they had one that was really smoky, which just basically tasted, tasted like I was eating a charcoal briquette. Um, <laughs> but you know, but anyhow, I drank all these and I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa, I'm getting really toasted. Yeah. Oh fuck. I'm high. I'm really high right now. I'm really, well, I think I'm getting drunk. Oh my God. Just sit back, keep my mouth shut, be entertaining, smile. Fuck, I'm drunk. Oh my God. Does anybody know I'm drunk? Really yeah. drunk. Nobody knows you're drunk. Yeah, they do. They all know you're drunk. There's nobody here to know you're drunk. There's four people here. They all know you're drunk. Nobody knows I'm drunk. Am I talking to myself? Can people hear me right now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the whole table staring at you. Yeah, you're talking to yourself, dude. <laughs> yeah. That is so yeah. funny because I was just telling my mom this story at, or, or we're, reminiscing about it just i think yesterday but uh we ended up becoming good friends uh many years ago with my first uh, grade teacher mrs sardi and her husband Miss, mr sardi and they were both uh small just really sweet kind gentle people actually mrs sardi was the first person who discussed uh, weird paranormal stuff uh with me when i was growing up like the curse of Tutankhamun's tomb and, and things like that um but they traveled a lot and I guess one a year, this is like in the 70s or something, they went to Peru and they were at a pretty high altitude, like 9,000 feet or something in this town. And uh, Mr. Sardi started to get altitude sickness. And one of the uh, symptoms of it is you can become very uh, paranoid and depressed. So uh, my teacher, Mrs. Sardi, had gone and got him some medicine and brought it back to the room, but it hadn't taken effect yet. They were on the town square Meanwhile, there started to be there was some type of a uh, revolutionary insurgency happening and they were having a shootout on the town square. And they're like two or three stories up in this motel room lying on the floor trying to stay away from the windows. And he's just it, it reminded me because he's like, we're going to die. I know. You know, our whole life is coming here and we're just, we're going to bubble. And he's like, like completely like doom, doom, you know, thing as they're hearing these shots and yelling and everything. And it cracked me up because it sounds very similar to you, that whole kind of paranoid aspect of the altitude sickness coming out. So I do have like one more story, but go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, I want to talk about the spiral jetty that goes out into the great salt lake. Um, 
this was unlike anything that I've ever seen before. So my friends were like, well, we want to go do stuff that we've never seen before. And I'm, I'm very like when I go to a new state, the first thing I do is like, I go in and type out, like say I'm going to Oregon, I'll type in weird, weird things to see in Oregon. That's just what I do. I always try to find the strange stuff. So I'm bugging my friend. I'm like, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And they're like, no, I haven't heard of this. We also went to the temple of Samoon, which I'll get to in a minute too. You know about that stuff. You saw the pictures. Oh yeah. You saw the pictures of spiral jetty too. Oh yeah. It's really beautiful. It was, but it was really, I've never had an experience quite like this. Um, hmm. Me living in Michigan, I live around the Great Lakes. Um, I'm very much into being around. Like whenever I get depressed or whenever I need to think, I always find myself, I always end up at water. When I go to like Florida for Blake Week or whenever I go, whenever there's water around like oceans or Great Lakes, I always find myself in front of them. So I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I want to go to the Great Salt Lake because it's it's pretty much dead. There's not anything that really lives in it because the water is so salty. But I'm like, this is this thing called the spiral jetty. And my friend's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go check this thing out. The spiral jetty is in the middle of back ass words. Nowhere, like nowhere. Like there are signs on the way there saying frequent cows, which we didn't see a lot. I wanted to stop and take a black marker and write infrequent cows in front of the sign. <laughs> um, so we get to the spot and we get there and it's weird. I'm not sure if you're a person that feels energy or anything like that. I kind of, I feel weird saying that because it's kind of like, you know, I'm not into like, Oh, increase your vibrations. I'm not one of those kind of people and people that are like that weird me out. But we get there, we haven't stopped at the salt lake yet. So you get there, there's no beach. Everything is sand. I mean, everything is salt because when the tides go out, it does have tides. When the tides go out, the water evaporates. And when the water's levels are low, it evaporates and the, the salt is left behind. So what somebody did is they built this big thing that goes out into the water and it makes this weird corkscrew into the ground and it spirals. And it's pretty big. And it's made out of basalt rock, which is everywhere around there. And it just goes out. So when I got there, like we're standing on the side, I'm like, I need to be at the middle of this thing. I just need to be, I need to be out there in this thing. I got to go. I got to go. Next thing I know, here's me. I'm, I'm overweight. I've got bad knees, um, not in shape. And here's me just like huffing across, jumping, like doing this parkour, whatever rock jumping. You don't have to, you can walk it. And I, I'm just doing, I'm just chanting this mantra in my head for whatever reason. I get all the way to the middle of it and I'm standing there and it just felt very weird. It never, it's not like if you stand on the, like if you stand in front of the ocean or large bodies of water, you, you can kind of feel like the nature and the life or whatever you want to call it. This place was very strange and very, very alien. It wasn't like anything I've ever experienced before. The water was very calm. It was very reflective. It was cloudy, so it wasn't very bright. Fortunately, the sun did come out. My friends like, when the sun comes out, you're going to go blind and turn into Stevie Wonder. She was right. She did. <laughs> um, so standing in the middle of this thing and like my heart's just pounding and my friend gets out there and she's like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm sitting there. I'm like, this, I'm like, it was crazy. And I'd never experienced anything like it before. So then the other person comes out that's with us. So we're standing there and my friend yells, I bet if I yell really loud that nobody can hear us. And sound would not travel out of this jetty. It would not travel out of this circle. I don't know why. And we also couldn't hear much out of the circle. We could look over. There was us and there were some other people that were there like on the quote unquote beach with a Home Depot orange pail digging in the salt, which was strange in itself. Like, who the fuck comes to this place out in the middle of nowhere and is digging in the sand or the salt or whatever? What are they doing? Get to that in a minute. But sound wouldn't travel out of this thing. So then we walked over to the water, and I put my hand in the water, and the water is so salty, like, you can just feel it drying your skin out as soon as you pull your hand out of the water. Mm-hmm. And there's birds and creatures that, for whatever reason, have died there, and they just get, like, entombed or or and like encrusted in salt 
you know, everything that sits on that ground just gets coated in the salt. We saw this thing on the ground. We thought it was a stick and I picked it up. It turned out it was a metal pipe with like some, uh, orange. I mean, it was some like, um, foam or something wrapped around it. The foam had dissolved and my hands turned into this black goo, which was not fun. So it was just really strange. I don't know quite, again, I can't describe things in four words, Alex. <laughs> I didn't well, limit was, you to four words. This is this you impose this four word limit. Everything is limited to four words. I got my I got my feet up. I'm like fuck yeah. I don't have to talk right now. Let's go. <laughs> counts <laughs> counts as my episode, and I don't have to do fuck all. <laughs> if you're in Utah and you have a chance to go see this thing, go see it. It is the most weirdly spiritual place that I've ever been to. And my friend looks at me and goes, "Do you, does, do you get the impression that like a lot of ritual or something has been done here?" And it just seems like if you were to go do something, that would be a place to go do it. Like I could totally see myself going there, throwing a blanket down, getting on my knees and doing some kind of meditation process, meditative process or something, because it's so alienly, alienatingly calm there. But there is life there. There's bacteria and stuff that lives in the lake, but that's about it. And the salt had different shades of color to it. Some of it was pink. Some of it was white. And it's caused by the bacteria and the elements. So we get done with that and we walk away. And my buddies are like, I wonder what these people are doing out here. Cause it is strange to see a bunch of these people just out here with an orange pail digging into this stuff. And I'm like, well, let's go ask them. Hi, we don't mean to be weird, but we're just curious. Um, what are you guys doing over here? Are you burying a small Asian child or something? What's going on? They're like, well, we're digging for gypsum. And if you dig down far enough, there's gypsum crystals and they pull out these crystals and they look like the original, uh, the original Superman movie, his fortress of solitude, where he shoves the crystal into the thing and it starts playing, you know, whatever movies or whatever. That's what these crystals look like. They were these long, narrow gypsum crystals that form like four or five feet down on the ground. They just form from whatever elements are there and they naturally form in the, and they're like, yeah, you guys can have some. So they give us these gypsum crystals and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I'm like, what are you guys doing with these things? And they're like, um, we don't know. And then they would sit and stare at us and I'm like, yeah, you know what you're doing because nobody drives out to the middle back ass yeah. of nowhere just to dig on a beach to get crystals, you know, but they wouldn't tell us what they were doing, but they gave us the crystals. But, um, yeah, Salt Lake, that, that whole area around there, it's, it's, it's very strange. It's just a really, my friend kept referring to it as alien and I guess it kind of is. I've never, I've never felt or been in a place quite like that before. I didn't really think I was going to enjoy it because I just figured it's going to be a dead lifeless place, like standing in the middle of a desert. There's nothing there, but it wasn't, it just had this really strange, bizarre, but kind of intoxicating energy to the place that I've never quite experienced before. And I, I want to go back. Like, I really, really want to go back there again. If I, I, I like, I want to go back to Utah just to go back there. Even if it's just by myself, like I want to go there, rent a car and just drive there and just be there for a little while and just, just kind of absorb it. But salt gets all over everything. Like when you leave, like you, you just, you feel like a piece of beef jerky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, it's, Utah is very cool. It wasn't what I expected at all. It's a very, it's a very strange and peculiar place. It's very, uh, not, it's, it's really indescribable, but it's kind of a small, it's like, it's kind of a smaller city. It wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. Cause I'm used to like going to big cities like Detroit and Chicago and New York and stuff like that. It wasn't quite like that, but it's got a, it's got a really cool vibe to it. It's, it's, it's very neat. And, uh, oh yeah, there's another place called the temple of Simum, uh, S U M M U N. And it is some guy, as far as cults go, these guys are pretty chill. It's some guy that Simun Ra, I believe his name is. And it's this religious organization that re for, for lack of a better term, they really, they worship the, the Egyptian gods. This guy built a pyramid and he put it in his yard 
And they still do mummification there. You could, if you die, they will mummify you. I think it's six thousand something dollars. So they built this pyramid. It was a wooden one. They tore it down. They built another one. Now there's this big brass pyramid sitting in this guy's yard. And this guy's yard is in the middle of like an industrial complex. There's all these industrial warehouses and shops and stuff around. And they got this guy's house. He's got this big pyramid, a gate in front of it. And it says S-U-M-M-U-N in front of it. Um, and you can go there. They have open ser- sessions where you can go there and they give out wine and you can talk about things. They're, they're very open to people to come in and talk. And they basically, um, they worship the Egyptian gods. And if you die and you want to have yourself mummified, they have the same room where they have this, the inside the pyramid with the same room. They have their congregations for lack of a better term. They also do mummification in there and they will mummify you for $6,000. And then below it, there are sarcophaguses where if you pay more or if you're a prominent member in the church, I guess it's called. Um, they will actually house your body there. And I wanted to get them on the show, but they don't do interviews anymore. I just want not to talk about their religion, but the process of mummification, like, cause nobody mummifies anybody anymore. People get cremated, they get buried, but nobody gets mummified. So I'm like, well, I want to talk about like, what is the process of mummification? How do you go about doing this? What, what is, you know, what, if there is benefits to mummification, what is, what is behind it? But I, the chances of me getting on were, were slim to none. But again, my friend lives close to this place and had no idea it was there. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a crazy Egyptian. Well, I want to say crazy, but there's, a, there's an Egyptian cult over here. I don't even want, I don't even want to use the word cult, but there's this, there's this organization that mummifies people. It has a fucking pyramid in their yard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking so at websites about this right now. It's, it, it's intense. Like they literally, like I'm looking at their website they will, yeah. you can just get yeah. mummified. Sorry, Steph, I didn't mean to step on you. I'm just, I'm in shock of like how open yeah, this is. Yeah. <laughs> My friend's like, I've never heard of this before. And I'm like, let's go. No, they have a Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <Even> shit. <laughs> well, it's weird. Cause I, um, I don't know. I haven't been to the dentist all year because of various COVID related reasons, but I think it was a lot last time I was there just for like a tooth cleaning. And, um, my dentist had moved to this new place up in St. Helena, which is kind of posh, and they have these nice chairs, and then they have, um, you know, big screen TVs up where you can look at them, and they will they have a bunch of different channels, so you can watch stuff while they're doing whatever they're doing to you. So I was getting my teeth cleaned, and this lady was said, what, what do you want to watch? And they had something on, like, the History Channel or something about um, some Egyptian stuff and part of what they were talking about was mummification and the process and looking at these mummies now the weird thing is from the time i was quite a bit younger i would always have these dreams where i was getting my teeth knocked out which i think had to do with the fact that i've always had creepy teeth and then i've had um a lot of treatment for asthma which is means that i've lost several teeth and and i need a partial denture at this point you you do math it's okay go ahead (laughs) Kind of, but um, <laughs> kind of. When they're giving you all these inhalers and all these steroids, it has basically the same effect on your poor teeth. But um, so so I've always had these dreams, and the weird thing was, I'm there at the dentist, and they start talking about how they were um, X-raying these mummies, and there was always a part of the mummification ritual that that was like um, it was like opening the mouth or something like that, and they found out that these mummies have been like hit like in the face in the in the front of the mouth to the extent they have they're finding teeth like way back on the throat so it was a weird experience laying there and um having your teeth worked on and they're talking about knocking these teeth out of your mouth on the history channel but it makes me wonder like what their exact process do they talk about 
like go into detail on their process, like on their website or anything, or they just kind of like contact us for details? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I, I mean, Alex is looking at it right now, so he could probably tell you off the website what they've got there. Oh, I got distracted and started looking at There's a local, uh, uh, the, the Oculus Anubis is a local um, weird uh, pseudo cult, lots of lawsuits around it. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like, oh, because they, they're, um, uh, the guy is a doctor and I'm like, oh, is he a dentist? That would be a really weird confluence, but he was an eye doctor. Um, no, they don't actually go into, well, in my uh, very, very uh, cursory going through, it doesn't give that much details. The ones I found is details of the, um, the kind of phi, um, what, what the hell do you call it? The, um, the golden ratio, you know, like phi, I don't know. Oh, Fibonacci? Yeah. No, no, phi. Yeah, well, I mean, phi, I guess, is in Fibonacci, but uh, PHI, like the Greek thing. Um, uh, they, they're going into like all sorts of... Uh, Sacred geometry? Yeah, I, there's... A, I'm... I'm I'm blanking on. There's a, a hard tr- time describing this. Can you do it in four words? <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's not describing. It's I'm having a hard time remembering the uh, the adjective for it. But let's just go with sacred, uh, sacred geometry. That's that's fine. Uh, no, uh, but there is a winery at the Samoan Temple. Yes, that is they. Yeah, that is how they get away with doing what they're doing. They're that they're, they're they. That's the wine that they serve at their congregations. Oh, and you can go there. I was half tempted to be like, I need to go here and just sit in on one of these because I wouldn't have been rude. I just would have listened to what they had to say and I would have engaged them politely, and I would have liked to have gotten a, bo- a bottle of the Samoon wine just to have it for myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I saw that. But they don't. I don't know if they go into descriptions about what they do for mummification and how they go about it. There might be something on there. Yeah, it might be I, on their official site, which looks like it was made on GeoCities in about 1999. Um, yes. The uh, I didn't see it, but um, they they're, they might be available elsewhere. I heard a disgusting fact about uh, ancient Egyptian mummification processes recently. Ooh, do tell. Well, they were looking at uh, mummies, and they noticed that the uh, male mummies tended to be much better preserved than the female mummies. And they started doing, I think, some research in old papyri and stuff like that. Anyway, it turns out that basically um, families would keep uh, women who died in the home until they started to rot to discourage necrophilia from the priests who were performing the mummification. Oh. What? (laughs) I mean, that's actually kind of sweet. You know, that reminds me of something. One of the people that was in the car with us, that was our friend April. They took me through this district of downtown Salt Lake City, which used to be where all the the horror houses and the brothels and stuff used to be. And apparently they would put this red paint on the roads. And if you walked on it, you would get this stuff on your shoes. So if you went home, that people would know that you were in that district, that you were in the bad part of town. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was wild. As we were driving around town, uh, my, my friend spotted that out there. I'm like, that's a really cool, neat, weird fact that they would put like something with clay or something to do with if you walked on this and you tracked that into your house. If everybody saw that red on your shoes, they would know that you were in that part of town and you were up to no good. That's clever. But also, you know, snitches get stitches. Come on. let's. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens on uh, Red Clay Road uh, stays on Red Clay Road. <laughs> I just found something interesting that you might be uh, interesting that you might be interested in, Alex. Researchers, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm going to go totally ADD theater here. Oh, that's never happened on the show before. <laughs> researchers discover seaweed that tastes like bacon and is twice as healthy as kale. Uh, 
Researchers in Oregon State have patented a strain of seaweed that tastes like bacon when it is cooked. This is pretty cool. The seaweed is a form of red marion algae, looks like translucent red lettuce. It also has twice the nutrient value of kale and grows very quickly. Did we mention it tastes like bacon? Would you eat this? Would you eat a... a, Yeah. uh, Yeah? I mean, as long as it's not made of bacon, I, I, I'm, yeah, why not? So you're, you're the vegetarian stance that it's okay to eat products that taste like meat that aren't made of meat, which is cool. I get that. Cause I got a friend that hates that kind of, that idea. Cause I'm, I'm all about the beyond beef burgers. So they taste really damn good. I, I, but, I think anything that works is fine for me. It's, uh, I'm on a very simple, uh, kind of veg and I'm, I'm, I'm majority vegetarian. I, I, I've kind of loosened, loosened my, uh, loosened my, uh, values towards, uh, uh, poultry in the last few years but for me it's a very simple fact of whatever you have to do that makes less animals die is good so if you have to eat some (laughs) weird if you have to eat like like bacon cheetos (laughs) that were whatever the the worst process awful shit that will immediately give you coronary well a pig didn't die for it so i'm i'm not looking down on anybody eat your fucking satan eat your eat beyond burgers (laughs) satan (laughs) What's that? How do you pronounce it? Satan? Satan? S-E-T-A? Yeah, uh, whatever. yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's called Satan or something like that. Hail Satan. Or yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, just Satan. What, whatever yeah. you have to do. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't look down at anybody for like shitty food choices. Just if, if a cow didn't have to die for it, I think that's better. But I mean, I'm also, I'm not a dick about it. Like, we've had millions of years of eating animals. I'm not going to be an asshole because you choose to do it. It just, you know, I, yeah, I, I just, I live that. different. I you know, it's, 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 I don't think it's, uh, I was telling my friend I'm going to become a vegetarian at some point, and it's not going to be because I have this stance of like I'm not one of animals. I'm I'm better than I'm going to do it for health reasons. But I like meat a lot. I really like meat, and if there's something out there that tastes like just as good as meat and will work in the vegetarian diet, I'm all for it. Um, Because when we were growing up, when I was younger, vegetarian was you eat stuff that it doesn't taste good. Now vegetarianism has moved along to where there is good tasting vegetarian food. Yeah. Um, and I'm all about like, the problem is it's expensive. Like these artificial meats and stuff like that, you know, they're like, well, there's just as many chemicals and stuff in them as there's the other stuff. Not really, but you know, there's a problem is it's expensive. Like to eat these beyond beef burgers, it's, it's a lot of money. It's like six bucks for two of these beef patties or whatever. So I'm wondering about this, this, this kale, the, whatever this, this seaweed bacon is, which I'm, I'm totally about. If it tastes like bacon, I don't care if it's seaweed, if it tastes good, I'm going to eat the shit. Um, yeah. Like what is back when, back when I was a meat eater, they had, uh, this, um, tempeh bacon that my girlfriend at the time, she was, she was vegan. She was really into it. And it was just tempeh, like, you know, processed, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. It's just smushed together yeah. soy, whatever. I don't know. Fuck tempeh is made of, but like she had the kind that like, basically you just rub some soy sauce on it and put it in a pan. And I thought it tasted better than bacon. So mm-hmm. I ate yes, it. Tempeh is great tasting. But yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. it's really super like, why would it, why would I have a pig on my conscience? When another delicious option is open, like it's not, yeah, I'm not choosing sides. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about eating seaweed bacon. If it tastes like bacon, the guy says in here, the stuff tastes pretty amazing. The stuff tastes pretty amazing. When you fry it, which I have done, it tastes like bacon, not seaweed. And it's pretty strong bacon flavor. Um, how do you get this bacon? You have to take the pork and you have to smoke it, which gives it that bacony flavor and all that stuff. How do you get a seaweed that grows tasting like bacon? That's, that's amazing to me. Like, it makes me wonder what other foods are out there that taste like other foods that, you know, we could eat. It's just a matter of, 
is it practical to produce this stuff to be able to to sell it? You know, to make you know to make an alternative or something. So you know you know that once they start making it, they can make it look like bacon. That's the other problem with a lot of the stuff. Like the Beyond Beef burgers, they have to make it look like beef. It actually they got beet juice in it, so it actually does bleed when you cook it. It it, it looks like beef and it tastes like beef. Yeah, they have it all over now, Portland. Which actually, it's so prolific here. It's not that much more expensive than regular beef. But like in the restaurants that serve it, it's I think the Beyond Burgers are like fifty cents more than the regular burgers. It's, well, even you know, Burger yeah, King's got that that be that um, impossible Whopper now, which is okay. It doesn't taste bad, you know. Yeah, it's all right. The Beyond stuff is the one that I like. I mean, they're both kind of all right, but the Beyond one that actually has like a a meat profile that like makes me feel weird because I don't eat meat. Like, so it's like, oh, this is I feel like the, I feel like I like. I like I'm cheating on my non-existent wife here. Like this has got some like there's some forbiddenness to this. Yeah, but see, I don't see it that way. It's like you said, if, if it, you know, it's like it's make me drinking bourbon and alcohol. Does it taste good or does it not taste good? You know, does it taste like what I want it to taste like? It tastes like beef. Yes, I can eat this. I just it, it's not like like Denny's up here. If you guys Denny's out there, I don't know if you guys have Denny's or not, but the Denny's yes. here, they have the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger here. And in those situations, it's not that much more expensive than it is ordering a regular hamburger. It just seems like it's a lot of money when you go to the grocery store. But now I walk in there, like my daughter was, was vegan for a while. She stepped back and gone vegetarian a little bit more. And I was and on the holiday, I was like, I called her up, like, hey, um, we're cooking burgers and brats and stuff. Do you want me to get you some kind of fake meat, you know? Yeah. She's like, nah, I'm fine. I'll eat whatever served. I'm not going to be rude. But I'm at the grocery store and I'm like, they've actually got like packages like of not formed. Like you can, you can actually cook it like hamburger and put it in, in chili and stuff like that. And it looks like ground beef and, and package. I'm like, wow, this stuff has come a long, long way in the last few years. Cause for a while it was the beyond the beyond beef for the impossible. Burger, I think it was the initial one. And then all of a sudden now you're seeing all the copycats and stuff come along where more and more people are jumping on this, this artificial, flavored meat bandwagon and it's no, becoming a thing now it's crazy the impossible like i had some that i bought at the store and it, it you know bleeds and it feels like and it's i have this like cognitive yeah. dissonance where it's just i this I isn't be eating this but yeah this this feels like this feels like real fucking this uh there, there was a place in town there was a pop-up like a uh, food car pop-up thing that they made um uh vegan ribs and they made it taste like it was on like it was like a rib shaped thing and it tore like ribs and it felt like it was like, no, I can't like, I mean, it was great, but like, I'm, my brain doesn't work this way. You know? <laughs> oh, that was funny. It reminds me of one time, uh, this is several years ago. I was in the old place I used to live in. Um, my neighbor and I, her son was in uh, like third or fourth grade. We ended up making these really uh, detailed marzipan eyeballs for, um, for Halloween, for a treat for his class, like marzipan, and then you put uh, white chocolate and then a black chocolate for that. They were like very detailed, and you know, I, I really got into it, and they looked very uh, realistic. And so, so it's kind of a weird thing to be eating all these uh, eyeballs, too. Yeah, the second across that boundary, it's it's almost like that uncanny valley with robots, where yeah. it, it's the uncanny valley of veganism, where it's yeah, this feels a little too meaty. I don't know. I'm like, I'm not comfortable the right the now. Vegans that I know, they won't eat it because they're there's This is where vegans drive me up the wall. I, okay, if you're a vegetarian, that's fine. If you're a vegan, that's fine. But don't don't go on this militant 
like rant of destruction. Like if you see somebody like, like I asked my friend, I'm like, do, do you eat these? Would you eat these impossible burgers? And they're like, no, because that's just like saying like, let's, let's, pre- let's pretend I'm vegan because I'm against all of this kind of stuff. And if I'm doing that, then I'm still in the end justifying that eating meat is fine, even though you're not eating real meat. And I, and I do that kind of look like, like when you say something to a dog and the dog doesn't understand, it kind of turns its head sideways and looks at you like, <laughs> like, bitch, are you for real? You know, <laughs> like, and then I've like my vegetarian friends are like, they're like you, they're like, I don't give a shit. Does it taste good? Yeah. Is it made out of vegetables? Is it not killing an animal? No, it's, it's, it's not killing an animal. Well, fine. Let's eat it. Whereas my vegan friends are like, how can you eat that? It's, I'm like, it's not real meat. It's, it's made from plant protein and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, but it simulates real meat. So therefore you, you should feel like you're actually eating real meat. And they go on this like big diatribe rant. And I'm like, man, like just mellow out, you know, I'm like. Can't you be happy that I'm like not eating something that, that had a face, you know? The thing that broke me of that was, uh, so years, I was vegan for on and off, you know, years ago. But, um, the thing that got me away from being kind of, I was never that big of a dick about veganism, but like I was, I had dickish tendencies, but the thing that broke me was I I read (laughs) this thing of tendencies. Yeah. (laughs) Biggish dickish. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I, I lent towards dickish, but, um. Of how they basically, how, uh, I think it was. I th- so what are you saying, Alex? What are you saying here? <laughs> like, I think okay. it was tempeh or it was one of the artificial meats, but it was invented, it was invented by Buddhist monks as training wheels for vegetarianism. Is that new mm-hmm. monks entering into, you know, the priory or the hell you call a Buddhist, you know, monk house, uh, the Buddhist monk house. I mean, I said priory first, I did use the smart word and then, you know, then backed one off, um, is that they made it to give to new monks to get them used to eating vegetables. And it, because it has a meat profile, they feel like they're eating meat and they get used to it, they get used to it, and eventually can, like, you know, move their way into being full vegetarian. And I think if 1%, 2% of everybody that eats a Beyond Beef burger moves towards vegetarianism, that is an amazing, amazing thing. Like, that is so good for the environment, so good for, like, health. I mean, it, it is brilliant. So, and I'm saying 98% fail rate, Perfect. Don't care. Two percent is wonderful. So eat beyond beef. Do it. Like don't get because preaching from the I don't want to eat uh, uh, fig newtons or honey because animals had a vague involvement with it, it, it for the vegan side. That's you don't win anybody over that way. No, no. I find it to be not not repulsive. You know, I, that sounds a little bit harsh, but it is. It makes me not want to embrace that. You know, um, when my daughter said, she goes, well, I'm, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm vegan now. And I'm like, oh no, I'm like, you know, but she never jumped on my case or whatever. She, she was pretty cool about it. She was never like from most people that I find that become vegans and I'm, oh God, I'm going to get hate mail for all of this stuff. And I'm saying, I know it, but they do this from this weird standpoint of like preachiness and I don't care. I mean, I get it. If, if, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. That's your choice. But don't go imposing your beliefs onto somebody else, you know, or trying to like belittle people because they're not doing what you're doing or what have you. That's not a way to get people to your cause. Um, like vegetarians are like, yeah, like they're like you. It's like whatever you want to do. And that's like when I become a vegetarian, which will probably be within the next few years, I'm not going to be out preaching to anybody. And again, if I'm at a party or if I'm at Thanksgiving dinner, I'm going to eat what's served. and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'll do what I got to do to make it through. But I don't plan on eating that kind of stuff in my daily life or whatever at some point. But to be like, um, you know, I'm better than you because I'm respecting the sanctity of this and I'm not going to eat this because it is not, you know, I, I'm against eating animals and all you're doing is playing make-believe and this, it's like, shut up, <laughs> you know, yep. just, just eat the burger 
and enjoy the flavor of it because you liked meat at one point. If you eat that, it's going to remind you of meat and you're going to enjoy it and you're still sticking with your diet and you're still sticking to your values and you don't need to throw all the political garbage in there. Boy, it, do I it, sound like Dennis Leary. Yeah, no, but no, but it's it's like it's like any other converted asshole. It's like when when you become a born again of whatever flavor religion you want, is you become a dick and yell at the shit you used to believe in. Where it's like, yeah, dude, you're not yelling at that. You're yelling wrong. at yourself from the past. Like that's you're not bad at that, you know. Yeah, like sorry it didn't work out for you, but that doesn't mean other people can't fucking handle Boy, this their shit. This show has gone to some crazy directions tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, look if if at any point I can yell at religious people, I feel like if there's any throughput in the Alex cast, it's that I mock religious people. <laughs> I'm to a point where I'm beginning to do that with atheists too, because like atheists, we we don't believe in anything. It's like it's like the autobahn ban from from the uh, the Big Lebowski via nihilist. We <laughs> yes. don't believe in anything, you know. It's like they get so even even the atheist gets so on this tangent of like we don't believe in anything, so that makes us better to you. I'm like, no, you are no different than the than the you know fundamentalist Christian screaming down somebody's throat. You're just the opposite end of the spectrum. The spectrum. Your lack of belief is your belief, and you're going to belittle anybody that believes in anything. It's like if you're not doing harm and you're not imposing your beliefs onto somebody else, and you're respectful of other people's beliefs or their ideas, as long as they're not hurting or doing harm to anybody then fine, be that way. Like you can be a cool a- atheist. Atheists are kind of like vegans. They're, they're kind of like dicks a lot of time. It's like, okay, I get it. You, you don't believe in anything. You don't believe in God. You don't believe in any kind of religion. Great. That's cool. Do what you're going to do and shut your damn mouth and don't belittle people. Now, the fundamentalist Christians and the people that are out there causing harm to everybody, like the Westminster Baptist Church or whatever the hell they are, you know, that's a different story. Like I like poking at those people. I like making fun of those people because they're assholes about what they do. But believe what you're going to do. Do what you're going to do. Just don't be a dick about it. <sighs> I feel like we're on an episode of Maury Povich. No, I got you. No, no. <laughs> Is ve- vegan equals atheist. Uh, vegetarian <laughs> equals agnostic. I mean, you never run into an asshole agnostic. And it's so rare to run into an <laughs> asshole vegetarian. You're like, yeah, pretty laid it back about the whole thing. <laughs> I've noticed that in the magical community too. Like now that I've, I've, I've kind of come out of my broom closet about what I do and stuff. And, um, like I've noticed in the in the magical community in the pagan community, which I'm not a pagan, um, but I've noticed that when you I've been to these gatherings and I've talked to these people, like they'll be like, oh yeah, I believe in this. Oh yeah, I believe in that. You know, and they'll have they have more civil conversations or I'm I'm Wicca or I'm this, and they'll sit and they'll talk about their beliefs. But at no point do people start pulling knives and start going after one another. Now. Within those communities, I've noticed in the, within the Wicca community, there's a lot of strife and stuff like that. They keep their problems within their families. But when these people get together for these gatherings, they all kind of like, yeah, this is what I believe. Oh, really? This is what I, oh, really? Well, how about this? And they ask engaging questions. And I've seen these really cool conversations happen amongst these people. And at the end of the day, everybody's like, oh, that's cool. All right. Well, hey, um, you want to you wanna go get a bite to eat or have a beer or whatever? And like even with Asatru, I've, I've been in gatherings where um, there's a thing that happens up here where all these different um, pagan and different religious off, offbeat religions get together and have a show or whatever. And I'll go every once in a while just to hang out and see what's going on and just engage people and maybe get some interviews for the show or what have you. And I've seen people that are like really into Asatru, which is the worship of Norse, Norse gods. Uh, which is as on the rise again. And one of the things I'll say about the Asatra community, they're really becoming very diligent about going after the white supremacist people that take these uh, Viking runes and and go on marches and stuff like that. Rogan, you have no idea how often I think about you living in Portland where the white fucking pride assholes show up of, I feel bad for people of your community. You're like, dude, you're ruining their shit. 
Like you're well, taking I'm not in that community either. I mean, I've got I've no, got but I mean, you've got you you have runes on you, and yeah. runes got fucked very recently. Yeah. And I yeah yeah, and I had a recent experience. I was I was I had a um a sleeveless shirt on, and I was in a Home Depot. I was getting something somewhere, and there was a there. I I I don't like to use the term African American. Uh, but there was, there was a gentleman there like that and he was giving me some really strange looks and stuff. And then I realized I'm like, Oh God, cause I'm bald. I've got a, I've got a beard. Yeah. Um, you look I like fit, one of them. <laughs> it sucks. I, do. I, yeah. I, fit, I fit the model, you know, I'm, I'm just going bald. So that's why I shaved my hair off, but I fit that model and I'm like, Oh shit, this guy thinks I'm a white supremacist. <laughs> and the guy looks at me and uh, he goes, what are those symbols on your arm mean? I'm like, okay, well these ones right here, this is my one daughter's name. That's my other daughter's name. This is my mom's name. I'm like, this is a, this is a Norse compass and it means literally made you never become lost. And I said, I am not a white supremacist. I I'm not affiliated with anything like that. And that was my only regret about getting these tattoos. After I got them, I began to realize, Oh shit, I look like a white supremacist. And I, I loathe those people. Like I'm the guy that wants to show up with a paintball gun and just start shooting the people walking down the road with the tiki torches and laughing at them. Yeah. But no, that, that, that happened. So, yeah. That's, that's not, I mean, it's not recent, but it's, it's the, the full takeover of those symbols is, very yeah, upsetting so to you, me because I know a lot of Norse believing people and it's like this fucking su- I've, it, it's yeah, like uh, Harry Potter people with the Deathly Hollow symbol. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're coming out now. They're like, listen, you already took the swastika away. These are our symbols. Yeah. This is our stuff. It doesn't mean what you're trying to do. And there's a real active campaign amongst those people to go out and really fight back against that culture, which is really cool. I mean, I commend those people for doing that. And I, it's nice to see them. I, I wish they were more active. Like I wish they would show up at the rallies and stuff and do that, but they're at least going out publicly, like on TikTok and Facebook and, and YouTube. And they're going out publicly saying, this is not us. This is not what we believe. We're not racist. We don't, you know, we're not into any of this kind of stuff. This is not our culture. And these people are stealing it away from us. Please don't hold this against us. And there's, they're making a real effort to try to do that. So I, I, I commend them on them, you know, and it's great. Cause I, I mean, if I were, I wouldn't want my, my beliefs and what I practice being, you know, coverted by a bunch of toothless inbred, you know, hicks, you know, that are, that show up with, with tiki torches as torches, you know, I'm like, I mean, these people look ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these people at these rallies look really dumb. It's like tiki torches. Really? That's, that's, that's what you got. I mean, you, you went to, you went to Walmart and bought, bought the tiki, tiki torches out. And now you're marching with tiki torches. You well, they were stupid. really afraid of that two episode. We're under the Brady bunch back in the seventies. Uh, no, Steph, yeah. um, yeah. you're, you're on record about hating Jews. What do you think about all this? <laughs> No, she is not. <laughs> of course she's not. I just I, I just realized that we, we have not let her speak for like half an hour and that is not an erosion. I just I realized we're going on a whole I thing and I really cool. want Steph to it. say something right now. <laughs> yeah, she's oh, not God. good when you put her on the spot. <laughs> I, no, I'm just laughing. Be funny now. <laughs> I, I, I give you 95% chance I edit that out. It's not... Ninety-five percent chance I don't. Oh, leave it. In. Leave it. In. Yeah, no, it's Everybody definitely going to leave it. Yeah. knows that yeah. she's not like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually. Uh, it's good to me, though. The one good thing that I've been seeing about uh, recent developments in the United States, as far as all the political BS, is that more and more people are speaking out uh, publicly, or you know, even just on you know your Facebook page or wherever, and just saying, "Look, I really don't believe in this racist stuff. I believe that the police should." do everything to, you know, if you're uh, interacting with the public, you should do everything to not murder people um, and not be profiling them in these racist ways. And, you know, a lot of people are coming out and making these statements 
uh, publicly, which I think is important because, you know, a lot of times you just kind of coast along, but um, if anyone's just listening and hasn't seen a picture of me, you know, I'm white skin, blue eyes. I have been blonde in the past. Now I'm kind of like a dirty blonde. So I've run across any number of white people who come up and they see how I look and they're like, oh, well, you understand. And they start unloading all this racist bullshit on me and I'll usually let him get pretty far into it and then say actually guess what you know my boyfriend is of Japanese descent or you know whatever um and just tell him look you know I don't believe any of that stuff and it's wrong you know if the thing that really kills me about that too just getting a little uh shirty here but um you know all these people claim to be uh, patriots of the United States of America and if you look at our founding documents now there's plenty of ways in which you don't come up to that. There's been plenty of ways in which the Constitution was amended. For example, the 19th Amendment, which means that people like me could vote. Um, you know, it says, you know, well, all that people, was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> all, you know, all people are created equal. You know, we're supposed to have these inalienable rights and it's not supposed to be about, you know, bashing Mexicans or, uh, you know, incarcerating them at the border or all this type of horseshit that's going on you know we can do better than that and um i you know i just i don't believe in that i don't care what other people are doing you know as, as far as my own beliefs you know it's wrong i don't care if it's legal for a period of time um because let's face it when we started this country it was legal to have other people as property you know that it was wrong then there was people at the time who said yeah guess what this is wrong People were involved in founding this country, um, you know. And we need. I. That's one good thing about this is more people are standing up against that, which I. I think. Let is me good. ask you a question. Sure. Do you think? Because I have my own theories on this, but I want to hear what you guys think. Do you think that that is because of the administration that we have right now, and because of the things that are going on, that people are reacting and and are pushing back, whereas? With the previous administration we had, like the Democratic administration, it seems like those issues were left less important. But now that we have a Republican administration and, and things are the way that they are, that people are really – you're seeing more of this kind of rise up and more of these issues come to prominence where they weren't so much in the past? I think that – you know, we've always had, had these issues that are that are problematic in the United States in our history. Um but if you look at what's happened recently, the, the our current administration has really been pushing to do things. Well, for example, I, I live in the uh, California in an agricultural community. All the people that do the work here come from south of the border or their ancestors come from south of the border, right? They are running our huge uh, massive amounts of our economy. They're running a lot of the tourist economy in terms of, you know, cleaning rooms and things like that. Um, cooking, you know, in the restaurants. Um, and uh, this administration came in and they just really wanted to start harassing people uh, that are moving across that border. There are people who've been arrested who are U.S. citizens that, you know, have U.S. citizenship, were born here, but they have, uh, you know, let's say a, a Mexican last name or something like that, and they get hauled in as possibly being illegal immigrants. You know, that's just completely wrong. They've been putting a lot of pressure on families that are coming over the border. I mean, we've seen horrible pictures of, you know, toddlers in cement cages with cyclone fence around them. And it's just, you know, the uh, previous Obama administration, they definitely uh, arrested a lot of uh, people who are immigrating, but they 
uh, had more of a transparent process and they were not keeping people in these horrible, disgusting, vile conditions. Um, so I think partly it's just this administration has really put a lot of pressure on. They've given a lot of um, money, even just during this lockdown with the pandemic, they've given a ton of money to a bunch of people who already have a bunch of money. And the average person, you know, how many people have lost their jobs? You know, and, and the average person, I mean, there's been other countries that have implemented uh, universal basic income to tide people over this time. Um you know, you could still, you know, you could get COVID and you go to the hospital. You don't even know what your medical bill is going to be. Um, so I think partly this just that the this administration has been really trying to push an agenda. And so people are pushing back. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people now that, you know, they've lost their job. They're looking at homelessness because the whole uh, eviction moratorium is uh, coming up to end. Um, they're not getting any help from the government. And then we've had some, um, I think partly too, it's just with the internet and uh, everyone having cameras, there've been, you know, really gruesome recordings of, you know, horrible uh, police violence that is not uh, justifiable in my opinion and opinion of many police people. Um, and mm -hmm. so it, you know, you have these horrible injustice acts happening. People have had enough and they don't, they don't see that the government is giving them something to support them. You know, they're just getting more and more taken away. So they're, they're just out there and, you know, yeah, that's how revolution that. starts. When you take enough away from people, they eventually react. Yeah. Um, like the whole eviction moratorium. I saw videos. There was a guy walking down the street in California, actually, I believe it. I think it was LA where the guy was like the moratorium on evictions has just ended. And he was filming like all these people that were just moving out in the middle of the night that were just loading up, loading, moving, loading, loading up, moving trucks and just taking off. And he was like, the guys like all of these places are now vacant and empty and they're trying desperately to get people to move into them. They're offering free rent in all of these areas that never did anything like this before. They were like two months free rent to move in. And these were all high rent areas where housing mm -hmm. at one point was very hard to get into. And now that the more, now that the people have lost their jobs and the COVID stuff has happened and the eviction thing has come to an end, you know, people were just moving out in the middle of the night and the guy's just filming all of these people that are like, they're just leaving. Like this, there's this mass exodus of people that are just leaving these areas that no one's really talking about, you know? And I was like, that's crazy, you know? And he's just walking around, just walking down the street, walking his dog. And he's like, here's one, there's one, there's one, there's another one over there. And it's not that these people were doing anything wrong, but it's no. just like, what's going on here? You know, what is going to happen now? Cause you've got these people, now you're going to have all of this vacant property, even though, you know, you can't evict, you can evict people now out of them, but when you evict people, there's not a lot of people that have the money to move into these areas, you know, so exactly. what's going to happen now? Exactly. Well, that is, I mean, that is the thing that's crazy because you, you know, we've had this whole situation. I mean, here in California, I live in the greater Bay Area, the homeless situation has just been, especially about the last three or four years is just got complete. I mean, we've had a lot of homeless, but it's just, you know, we have the Bay area rapid transit system with the elevated uh, tracks. It's a high speed rail system and you can go along miles uh, under the tracks and it's just, you know, full with tents, people living there. You go to downtown Berkeley, downtown Oakland, downtown San Francisco, you have people just living literally on the street, You'll see like a tent and they have everything, you know, there, all their stuff. They've obviously there for the duration because there's just there's no place for people to go. 
And we've just made this decision at some point where everything is going to be up to the market as far as um, real estate instead of saying, well, people need a place to live, you know, and that should be a big motivation to how we, um, you know, plan our communities. It's just like it's up to the highest bidder. And then now we're getting to the point where um, I think in like New York City or something is something like half of the real estate is unoccupied because everyone's just sitting on it as a real estate investment. Mm-hmm. That happened in Detroit too. A lot of people, when Detroit, um, for a while, what well, we all know Detroit was just this really like wretched area of abandoned buildings. And a lot of people came in and bought all this property out and then just sat on it. And now Detroit's going through another renaissance where you've got vacant tracts of land that the locals are turning into urban gardening to feed their neighborhoods and stuff like that. And you have a lot of quote unquote hipsters moving in. But at the same time, you also have a lot of condos going up and the downtown part of Detroit where it used to be really bad is now beginning to change. When I went down there last year, I hadn't been down there in years. And there's people riding around on scooters and the park had a free arcade in the middle of it with all these video games and stuff. And there's all these new condos built. And mm-hmm. there was, um, I remember there was areas where houses used to be abandoned. Now there are open fields and there was, there were growing fruits and vegetables and stuff in them. And I asked a person, I'm like, who, who owns that? They're like the neighborhood. Dude. Everybody in the neighborhood just goes there and plants the stuff. And I'm like, well, doesn't the people who own the property come and stop here? They're like, well, they probably could and they probably would at some point. But in the meantime, it's not doing anything. So we're just growing, you know, everybody in the neighborhood just goes and plants stuff. And when we need something, we all go over. If we need cucumbers, we go grab cucumbers or we need this, we go grab that. And everybody just kind of takes care of it. And it was kind of cool to see, but at the same time, you had these people coming and doing all these land grabs, buying all this stuff up and just sitting on it and clearing everything out because the property values are starting to go up again. So Mm -hmm. for us, it was kind of like people, it's becoming gentrified and stuff. I'm like, well, compared to what was there, burned out houses, crack houses, burned down buildings, buildings that were vacant, not doing anything. I'll take this over that because it's bringing new life into the city. But at the same time, a lot of it was forcing the residents and stuff out. I'm like, yes and no, you know, <laughs> so there's good and bad to it. So you just got to yeah. see what happen. It's Yeah, it's hard because we've had uh, gentrification happen you know, in a lot of places in the Bay Area and it ends up just um, forcing out a lot of people. And then you just have this huge uh, homeless problem and you don't have any of the infrastructures to infrastructure to be, you know, supporting these people. Um, so we yeah, already I mean, had that problem to begin with. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's different. I don't know. Do you have that out where you're at, Alex? Do you have that kind of a thing going out where you are? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're getting completely priced out. There's a massive homelessness problem in Portland for the past, you know, probably it's, yeah, I couldn't tell you when to start, but at least the last like five, 10 years has been like really, really bad. I mean, it's my job, which is in a, what ostensibly is a nice expensive area of Portland Every morning where I park, there's a homeless tent on the other side of the fence and there's, you know, heroin needles on the ground. And that's not hyperbole. Like literally there's the little yeah. orange tops. It is. And this is what used to be a very walkable, nice neighborhood. And I'm not shitting on the homeless people like they're fucked as anybody. Um, but yeah, Portland is, has taken a real bad turn and it is a lot of uh, kind of speculative real estate and you know, internet jobs where people in California, where California is super expensive, can move up to Portland where it's now it's expensive, but nothing compared to California expensive. It's Portland expensive, but which is cheap. Uh, they come up here and do telecommute. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's this city is unrecognizable uh, to what it was 10, 15 years ago. It's it is a it is a weird, weird existence at the moment. 
Oh, and we're also in the middle of a national storyline of a giant race war. So that that's but that's like a secondary thing. Hmm. Well, well, I just sent it up to you guys. We're almost at two hours now. I don't know how long of a show you wanted to do. But. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting for this to uh, this this thrust to kind of uh, end, and we can uh, we'll wrap up. Well, um, I would like to say that if you continue the Alex cast, that maybe follow this format, have interesting people on, and have interesting conversations rather than just trying to shelf the whole show on your own or whatever. You know, just uh, see where conversation takes you. Maybe put some topics out and say, let's start with this and see where it goes and do it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I've been doing it. <laughs> I dumb fuck my way into shows. <laughs> I don't plan anything. I get people I like talking to and I just yap for a while. <laughs> that's not necessarily such a bad thing, though. I yeah, mean, maybe, I just, need, maybe I just need listeners. About Can we just talk people bigger. to listening? <laughs> <laughs> I used to I like see. doing the show back when I had an audience. <laughs> well, audiences can, you know, that's another thing. Get other podcasters on your show because they want to yeah. say, hey, I was on this podcast. And then people come over and listen to the podcast. Yeah, but you've talked to other podcasters. They're insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got two of them here. So ah, yeah, you're, you're, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> to, oh. to quote everybody that I'm related to. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Rojan, where can people find you? Is your new podcast uh, available yet, or is this just uh, are we still in the planning uh, stages? The new one, uh, old uh, old drunken nerds. Oh wait a minute, nerds, old nerds drinking. I'm, I I don't know if I like the name or not, but hey, it's not my show, and I'm going to be there. We haven't got that one up and running yet. I don't know exactly how soon it's running. We're taking our time putting it together. Um, that one is just going to be us sitting around talking about nerdy oriented things and odd topics as we drink whatever the heck we're drinking. Um, my other show project archivist, you can find that anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on iTunes, uh, pod kicker, you know, um, stitcher. Um, I think we are on Spotify now. I'm not sure. Um, it says that we are, but I'm, people are, some people find it. Some people don't, um, that show uh, covers the wonderful, the weird and the strange. We cover odd, strange topics, uh, unusual stuff. Every week the show shifts around. Stephanie here comes on from time to time. Um, you've been on the show many times. It's been a while since you've been on, but you've been on the show before. Um, you know, you can find that anywhere you find our show. And as we said, I know I've, I've been doing that for about 12 years now and it's, it's slowing down, but I'm going to keep on doing it. Um, Steph, where can people find you? I guess would be the next question to go to the next logical question. Um, I have a blog called Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box, uh, stephaniequick.home.blog. And, um, I have a bunch of uh, articles on uh, strange things there and some of my other podcast experiences. Um, and if you go to the about there, uh, it has links to I'm on Facebook at Stephanie Quick and I'm on Twitter. I have my link to that there. And then also my email if someone wants to send that. Um, later this month, I'm going to be speaking on synchronicities at the Strange Realities Conference. I'm plugging. Where you go. I'm so proud of you. I am. I was I, so I, excited to get asked. There's some really heavy hitters. <laughs> I am so, so proud of you. Cause like, I remember the day and I'd be like, you need to go out and start doing this stuff. You're like, no, nobody wants to listen to me. And I would like to say in a public forum again, how proud I am of how far you've come and how, 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 how you've done so well with this stuff, you know, and you're, you're becoming, you're becoming a thing now, you know, and it's, it's nice to see you do this. No, well, you actually, you guys, both of you guys have been. Uh, so supportive of me and uh, such sweet uh, friends to me over the years. I really, you know, that you, if I have 
you know, move forward at all. You guys are really have always been behind me and I just can't thank you enough. So, but yeah, so I'm going to be at that conference and there's a bunch of uh, people a lot more famous to me. It looks like it's going to be pretty fun because it's all online and they're going to have like uh, hangouts after the speakers and there's something like over 20 speakers. So if that sounds like fun to people, they should check it out, but that's where I am. So Alex, where can people find you? Well, so first I want to uh, compliment you on on something completely different. I'm so glad you finally remembered your podcast, the uh, the name of your uh, blog, because we had a, we had a lot of trouble last time you were on the show, where you 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 had a severe difficulty remembering Ghost Dog, Ghost Samurai, starring uh, uh, Dot Blogspot. It's this thing that I do, but I can't describe it. Um, it. It lasted. I kept trying to get her to plug, and she screwed it up. I'm gonna say six times. It was it was incredible. I'm oh, yeah. so proud of you. Uh, whatever this talking thing, yeah, that's Rogan could compliment you on that. But I'm so glad you know your website now. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. Uh, I'm I don't know. I'm uh, John and Alex hate stuff is a podcast no one listens to, but is much better than this show, uh, except for when you guys are on. My solo show is basically terrible. I like when I have guests, but John and Alex hate stuff. Listen to that and. Uh, that's really it. If anybody's listening that's new, I have books out on Amazon, Alex Bowen. People don't read those. That'd be great. <laughs> People should start doing that. <laughs> it's really annoying because every time a new person finds it, they say how great it is and life changing. And then no one reads it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Alex, keep your show around, man. Just just take your time with it. Find some topics, go down some rabbit holes and, and keep doing this. Even if it's at a different pace, you know, you should keep doing this. Yeah. I, you know, I will. I'm, I'm, I'm delightful when people are talking to me. Um, Steph, we gave your thing. We gave your thing. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Go listen to uh, Rojan on Project Archivist. Uh, Steph also over there, uh, or you can listen get her. to Steph anywhere you can find her. Yeah. She's, she's oh. on, she's on lots of shows <laughs> lately. Uh, I'm sure if I get a she's new Alex now. cast, I guarantee she'll be on it there in, in, in talking print. about her panties. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We'll do a full <laughs> panties episode featuring the, panties. The, I would like to be there for that episode. The, Even if I'm not saying anything, I'll just be here with my microphone muted for reasons. Featuring the uh, cotton uh, misbehavior crotchless, also the uh, scantily wow. lace, and uh, let us not forget the uh, backdoor wonder. Um, no. <laughs> And the I like it and the I like it stretch, just leave it on my lower back. That's that's a tough one. Steph, this list you sent me is really kinda rough. I was shopping for underwear and then I started noticing all the names were like like Alex is saying. So I sent it I started sending all these names. Finally I just gave up and just bought socks because I know what I kind of want to interview your husband now. I, I just want to interview your husband at this point. <laughs> I've had this thought that I, I think Tony needs to be on one of the shows. Yeah, to, to to just, and you don't need to know about it. We'll just do the show with Tony and like you'll find out about it afterwards. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so, Tony. <laughs> yeah. What actually happens in that house featuring Tony? <laughs> and we'll do 15 minutes on the after midnight crotchless. Oh wow. Wow. You are saying so many things that I would not say, but I'm glad you're saying them and not me. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying I, I'm quoting Steph from her email. I've been forward to you it. Um, 
Okay. These all right. are all actual panty names. I was just shopping and I was kind of uh, surprised. Oh, this Contradiction, is- suspense, bikini. Yeah, the one the one that I jokingly called something disgusting, and hopefully no one heard me because we were both talking. The uh, all access open back crotchless. That's the actual name. <laughs> all access open back crotchless. Oh my god! So I mean, I think we can get where that's going. Going mm. towards yeah. Mm. Yes, I, I I'm speechless here. I don't I don't know what to say. Are we done now? Are we well? Good? There's well, there's one more we should read. Well, one actually it says Commando, which is a weird name. There's another one that says my butthole looks like Predator's mouth. Uh, that's that's a that's that's no, an interesting that one. Is not a name of underwear. <laughs> no, it is. It says it right there. My butthole looks like Predator's mouth. It's uh it's by uh, Calvin Klein. Yeah. No, no, I'm Googling that shit right now. Hold yeah, on. Google it. It's no, there. no, I'm not going to Google this. No, no, I don't, no. I don't. I, you should definitely, you idea. should definitely Google that, Roger. No, 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 I'm not going to. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I love Stephanie, and there's certain things that I don't need in my head. Well, Stephanie's yeah. butthole is not one of them. Are we done? Uh, we are. Uh, Project Archivist uh, visits Stephanie at. Uh, stephaniequick.blog. What was it? <laughs> no, I fucked it up. <laughs> Predatorsbutthole.com. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Luckily, I snapped up that domain name, so. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's all get to the choppa. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, this has been the Alex Cast. That has been Rodin and Steph. And yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>